Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I, you know what? I must have missed that email then, because I uh, I I sent you the question mark because I didn't I, I didn't think I got a response, but maybe it went into uh, I don't know. Maybe I missed it. Do you want me to record the audio too, just in case? So when you're doing Skype, uh, you see that uh, you're on a laptop now. Yep. So the bottom right hand corner, you know those three dots. Mm-hmm. If you go to there, you can go to start recording, and you can record this uh, video version of the episode. And no then you can... shit. It's yeah, that easy, so... huh? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, now it is, because it, it wasn't always like that. Before, you had to use a third party. You had to use some other software. Yeah, I have I have OBS. Sorry to cut you off. That's um, right. I have, a, I think it's called OBS, because I used to do a Packers podcast, and... Um, I would do like a lot of my screen sharing and stuff like that when I would be breaking down like film analysis and stuff like that. So I used to use OBS. I'm like, shit, well, would I have to use OBS for this? But now you say you can just record it right on here. Yeah, yeah, you can. And and then uh, so in a, a group chat or our connection when, you know, where the chat room is, where if we want to talk on Skype, the video after it's done processing, we'll just, oops, let me turn that off. Uh, it'll just pop up so then we both have access to to download it and they give you like uh i think it's like 30 days it'll be available so you have 30 days to download it you just sign on the skype and we'll see it in that chat right there so it pops up right after we're done with this call if it's a short call it'll pop up pretty quickly and then we both have access to it the zoom does the same thing too if you're if you have a pro account you can record it but um only the post gets all that information so then you'd have to share it via like dropbox or, or whatever um but on skype yeah because you used to have to use a third party it was a pain in the ass because some of them would work and then there'd be updates and or sometimes that for some reason it wouldn't work and uh so there'd be no other way of recording and now you can literally record right from skype and what i've done too is as a audio backup um if something happens to you know my audio recording on pro tools i can always re- use the, the video recording Bring, put it into Pro Tools, some type of uh, audio software, as convert it from video to an audio file, and then you can use it as audio uh, backup just in case you lose the, the recording or whatnot. So it's nice to have, you know, just to, as a backup too. Oh, great. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm going to have to uh, check out all that kind of stuff because um, I know that you're, uh, and I'm already recording, little... Uh, yeah, yeah. Little uh, little <laughs> advice I got from you, man. <laughs> Always be recording. So, um, yeah, because I, I know you mostly do interview style podcasts. You don't really like, you wouldn't make like a solo sode and like maybe explore a topic or something like that. Have you or I think uh, I've only seen interviews. But that's something I've, I've explored a little bit because, uh, by the way, do you want, do you want to start recording? Oh, let me, I'll hit record on Skype just in case. That way we'll both have access to it. Okay. And uh, if you want to, if you need a, a backup for any, anything, yeah, I'll buffer for a second and I'll start going. But, um, but yeah, so I, I have explored that because Rockfin contacted me 
um, because they knew I was friends with uh, Sam, and Sam was like kind of re- helping recruit people, and uh, and they you know asked about putting my podcast on their platform. And uh, I mean, one of the first things I talked to him about was censorship because I don't know if you're familiar with this, but Whitney Webb just told us that uh, the Last American Vagabond just got deleted off YouTube today. Um, all his stuff just disappeared. Oh and no! Yeah. So and apparently, all he he can't get access to any of his Google accounts, anything related to Google, uh, YouTube. He can't get access to any of that stuff, and it just kind of you know blocked him out of it. So um, he's still in Rockfin, and, and Whitney Webb went to Rockfin. A lot of Jimmy Dore's on Rockfin. So Rockfin seems like they're embracing the idea of uh, maybe, you know, that's their niche, embracing the idea that they can get the alternative media crew there and people who might be going against the grain. Hopefully that continues. I mean, it, hopefully it's not a great, like, business trick, like, hey, come over here, you know, because we don't censor you. And then once they start making money and they start getting marketers and people who have issues with the things we're talking about, then maybe they, um, you know, backtrack a little bit. But they contacted – I can never give a short answer for anything. Uh, they, Fantastic. They, uh, <laughs> yeah, as a host, you kind of like guests like that. You know, you don't have to – you know, I've had guests where – and I've thought about that actually a lot lately. I'm like, oh, I'm like, you know, I'm kind of like that guest that I love that I'm like, there's certain people I book and I'm like, I just have to ask a question or two and they're just going to start flowing. I don't have to do any work, any preparation. But um, yeah, so they contacted me in regards to doing a show on Rockfin. And I, wa- I told them like my show, like my interview show, uh, I want that to, I mean, the whole idea of the ripple effect is to get these conversations out there as much as possible, as far as pos- possible. And, and hoping and having some type of impact. And if I put any restrictions on there, like put it behind a paywall or put it on a website where you have to be uh, subscribed, you know, some type of payment to, to get to it, then it kind of goes against what I believe and, and what I'm attempting to do. You know, mm. for me, the message, the message in the conversation is the most important part. So, um, you know, so then I'm like, well, you know, they seem like a cool company. Maybe I'll do something there. So then I thought about doing something like, uh, call it like Ricky's Rants and just do a... A, just a you know, uh, a and you've thought about putting that on the regular feed as well. I have. I obviously you're <laughs> you've listened to many. Hell shows. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I uh, yeah, I, I've I've explored that quite a bit. You know, I, but you know what it is? I, watch, you're gonna one day you might be like, you know, let me try this whole solo thing. Have, well, have you done anything like that before? Well, like a solo? yeah, I I actually did a uh, four and a half hour coronavirus expose. Holy oh, yeah! Like. How, how long did it take you to do? It wasn't one take, right? Oh, it was one take, straight up. I, I, <laughs> so I'm really bad. I'm really bad with text. So I was just going to YouTube and I would play the video and I'd sit there and like watch the video and react while the video was going. And then I would talk after the video and like I broke it down into sections, time stamped everything for four and a half hours. Like I just completely like broke it into four or five chunks of, uh, what I thought was all going on, you know, first it was like exposing that this whole thing's a hoax. And then it was moving into, well, why is it a hoax? And why would they do something like this? Have they done something like this before? And then, so I go through a bunch of false flags and then I, you know, play this video from Rosa Corey and she's talking about agenda 21 and how like, well, maybe coronavirus is this huge thing, this huge event to get us into Agenda 21. And you're really seeing that right now because, you know, she says that 
Agenda 21 is, you know, a global plan, but it's implemented locally. And all of the, this whole coronavirus thing with the masks and everything like that, it's all been implemented locally. And it's like the very like buddings of Agenda 21, in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, I, I did I did that solo sewed and I did like four and a half hours straight. And obviously a ton of research went into that. And listening to a lot of podcasts, and I was telling Monica and Brad, like, I used to work at FedEx, and I would be delivering packages all day, man, so like 6 to 10 hours, and even like 12 hours around like Christmas time, so I'd be listening to podcasts, like, I would run out of podcasts, I would go through like your whole feed, Sam's whole feed, like, just, I'd just be powering through everything, I'm just like, I don't have anything else to listen to, so over the course of two years, I just got like a PhD in like all of these things, and nutrition, and I, I really describe like my awakening process is just like one thing after another because kind of like you, like I grew up in a religious family and then uh, I took a philosophy course and then it was like, dude, fuck religion. Like I actually became like a militant atheist at one point. And I know you've kind of said the same thing where, you know, you kind of got like angry with people. Like how come you don't see the the, the way the world how come you don't see the world the way that I do? And how come you believe in God? Like, obviously, only stupid people believe in God. But now, like, I've completely 180 and more spiritual guy. You know, um, I actually talked with my girlfriend a couple of weeks ago. I'm just like, because we're kind of keto carnivore. So I'm just like, right before a meal, you know, we got to put our hand over the bowl and just like, thank you. Thank you for the meal. And it's like, that's something I would never have done before. But now it's something that I do. Um, just trying to be more spiritual and like doing Wim Hof breath work and all that kind of stuff. But before it was like atheism and then um, moving into like Joe Rogan and like he has all of these different guests. And I wanted to ask you about Joe Rogan later because I know that you're a big fan of the podcast as well. Um, but yeah, it was Joe Rogan and like guys like Paul Stamets and uh, Chris Kresser. I was just listening to your um, uh, the guy from Plandemic. I was just oh, listening to that interview. Yeah. yeah, and no, and dude, that guy is a sweetheart. I'm just like, wow, he, he's just yeah. such a like gentle man. Like, just sounds like salt of the earth kind of guy. But um, yeah, I was just uh, you were talking about Chris Kresser on there and. Chris Kress is like one of my favorites and guys like Ben Greenfield and all of these guys and Dr. Rhonda Patrick and just all of these people that he's had on his podcast, so many different ideas that really opened me up to so many different things. And, and then it was, uh, you know, he has Eddie Bravo on, he starts talking about flat earth. I'm like, well, I, I don't really know about flat earth, but like he talks about some other shit that's really cool too. And then he name dropped tinfoil hat and actually, the first episode that I listened to from Tinfoil Hat was Monica and Brad, episode 163, where they were talking about the Clinton Global Initiative and Jeffrey Epstein. And then so after that, I'm telling everybody, you know, there's this billionaire, he's got a pedophile island, and everybody's calling me crazy. And now that's mainstream news, right? So it's just been like one evolution after another in terms for me. And... um yeah, man, I, it's just been crazy. And when I first listened to you, uh, you were on Tinfoil Hat, and I'm just like, dude, this guy, like, 
it just seemed like you were your own independent researcher. Like I thought you were a guy that did like deep breakdowns, like kind of like James Corbett style, because I heard you on Tinfoil Hat and you were like really sharp, quick, and just everything that you were saying was just like fresh off of your head. But I mean, I guess you just picked that up from doing, you know, hundreds of interviews. I mean, how many are you at now? Yeah, um, I think uh, uh, I'm in the process of uh, uploading uh, 272. And uh, yeah, so it's 272. It's been a lot. I mean, I still think I, I still make a lot of the same mistakes and there's things I need to work on. Uh, I think a lot of the anxiety and stuff got, has gone away. I, uh, I, I forget who I was just talking to recently uh, that I said, like, it was, a, oh, when I talked to uh, Edward Griffin, yeah. uh, Mr. Griffin, the OG, he, when I, he was like the first guest in a long time I can on, honestly say I was like nervous to talk to uh, just because he's been doing it for so long and I mean, just years of like watching interviews with them and documentaries with them and whatnot. I'm actually in the process of hoping to possibly get him on the next union of the unwanted. Oh, you know, oh, see how that goes. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's been you know the thing is, uh, health and nutrition has always been something that I was super passionate about, even before I was into um, like alternative media and alternative views on, on the world. So it, it was a uh, easy transition because it was I, I've always been in the you know exercising sports. Um, you know, I just like doing physical things. You know, I I played basketball. Uh, you know, when I was younger, I skateboarded and BMX. I just like doing physical things, and uh, so health and nutrition was always a way of like, okay, I was always intrigued with like, how do I push my body to the next level? How you know, how do I um, utilize my, my physical benefits? And um, and then when you know, you start finding out about like just all the conspiracies related to to food and the food pyramid and big pharma, everything from like. You know, we've been lied to about ADHD, about uh, cholesterol, about fats being bad for you. Um, you know, and, and people like Gary Tobbs and and uh, you know the the case against sugar was his uh, his book, I believe. Yep. And 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 I think what or was it? Uh, everything was a big. What if everything was a big fat lie? I, one of them was an article. The other one was his book. But either way, like he really investigates just the, cons- the corruption in the food industry. I mean, you realize that just about everything. And supplements and food is no different. Anything that that there's a benefit of profiting from, people are going to profit. And if that means lying, or if that means deceiving, then that's what they'll, what they'll do. So you know, when it came down to big pharma, I uh, I was it was just something that initially initially really got my attention. Something you know, if you if you hear my shows or you hear like me talk about specific topics, uh, it seems like the one that I'm the most passionate about. And um, I think a lot of it is because you know, and I've said it on my show, it's because it's advice and, and information that could help people right now. You know, like I could talk about like history, I could talk about geopolitical stuff, but you, you come away from the show maybe learning something, but does it give you instant uh, change in your, in your life? And if you talk to, if you explain to people how the sugar industry has lied to you, how a lot of your lack of energy, maybe your mood swings, maybe uh, all these, you know, uh, arthritis joint pain that's preventing you from maybe enjoying playing with your kids or playing with your friends or playing a sport that you enjoy like all that could could be changed instantly if you just had the information if you understood that you know glucose causes inflammation that you uh, understand that there's good research like when i had dr thomas seafree i don't know if you listen to that episode um you know he's the guy from uh is it boston university that uh he has like 150 peer-reviewed studies he has a book called uh cancer as a as a metabolic disease and he uh you know he, he talks about like how you can use the ketogenic 
uh, diet as a, a uh, therapy to, to fight cancer, cure cancer in, in some cases possibly. And I believe it's like 80% of cancers uh, can almost be completely eradicated by the ketogenic diet. Well, the thing is, like, we know for sure, like, if you talk to any mainstream doctor and you just say, hey, uh, does cancer cells use glucose as an energy source? They'll say yes. But then they don't follow up by saying, uh, yeah, so you should, you know, if you have cancer, you should not be, you know, one of your biggest focuses should be removing glucose from your diet. They don't say that. It's like, but it's common sense. Like, okay, if we agree that this is the energy source, wouldn't it make sense that it would be super beneficial if we remove it, uh, that energy source from um, cancer? I'm not saying it's going to cure, prevent it for everybody, but obviously it, there, there has to be some uh, positive effects. And if you look at like the Charlie Foundation and you know some research that uh, Dr. Thomas Seafried's involved in too, they see that even people who are doing uh, the keto diet and are doing the typical chemo and radiation they're recovering faster they're having benefits you know e, you know people who are fasting same thing you know um so there's all these 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 ways you can improve your health that don't involve a pill don't involve some expensive uh medication and you, you can bypass a vaccination yeah you, know, <laughs> you can bypass all that stuff yeah and the thing is like there you know the, the truth is like you know the way you feel physically and mentally affects the way you perceive things, your ability to enjoy life, um, your energy levels, all that stuff. I mean, even like if you want to do a podcast, like how much of your diet or your lack of energy can affect you procrastinating to even start a podcast or start a blog or do something that could really change the world. So like it sounds silly, but like diet and nutrition is really the foundation to just about everything. Like you can, if you have that right, if you correct that, you could change a bunch of other things. I mean, you can literally get somebody who maybe, like I said, is procrastinating because of a lack of energy to get home from work, they're tired. I mean, that's the thing. You FedEx guys and UPS guys, you guys work fucking long-ass days. I mean, it's 6 o'clock at night, 7, I'll still see my UPS guy driving around town. Yep. And I'm like, dude, this is slave labor. Like, how is <laughs> I mean, and FedEx, you guys you guys aren't um, aren't union, right? But the, the UPS guys are. Yeah, UPS is union. But FedEx actually has a class action lawsuit because they weren't paying guys overtime um, who were working over 40 hours a week, obviously. Um, because at least with how my contractor worked, um, we got paid per stop. So um, I could deliver, you know, one package to one house and that's a dollar fifteen, Or I could deliver... 20 boxes of chewy which oh dude don't get me started on chewy it is i mean at least it's probably a really convenient service for you know the people that use it it's like dog and cat food and cat litter and shit but let me tell you those things can be a hundred pounds with cat litter and dog food in the boxes and then you know some customers you know they'll stock up for months and then they'll have like 20 boxes but and i only get paid a dollar 15 for that stop so, wow. so, yeah, so it sucks. But, I mean, yeah, what you were saying is, uh, you know, UPS, I mean, I think those guys, you know, a lot of them are making like 60, 80, sometimes even 100K because of their union and they all get paid overtime. So you, you think it, it benefits? Um, it benefits well, you guys? well, for me, I preferred the, uh, the per stop thing because it gave me motivation to get done sooner 
and um, then I wasn't trying to milk the clock because, like you said, those UPS guys, they'll be out there until 6 because they're milking it. You know, they want to get paid that overtime and stuff like that. It's like, well, I value my time at home, and I'm trying to get done at work as fast as I can. Um, so, yeah, I preferred being paid per stop as opposed to not be. But, you know, like you were saying about nutrition, man, I mean, at FedEx, I wasn't eating all day. And like right now, I, I haven't ate since last night. And that's what people don't understand. Yeah, me either. What, and they don't understand it, man. And like, I try telling my dad, because, you know, he's like borderline diabetic, which Chris Kresser says, you know, in the next decade or two, you know, we could have as many as like two thirds of the population being pre diabetic or diabetic, which is mind blowing to me. But, you know, I try telling him, I'm like, you don't have to eat three, five, six, seven times a day. Like, you don't have to snack. You don't have to do anything. He's like, well, I get hunger pains. I'm like, start small. Maybe you stop eating at 8 and you start eating at 8. You know, that's uh, that's a good 12-hour fast. Like, that's decent. And then you can work your way up to the 16 or, you know, a, a 24. I mean, in, in some cases, you would want to do a 24. I mean, I've done a five-day fast before which was tough really yeah and after so just water that's it yep just uh mineral water that's all that's all i uh all i drank and well and i think i would include like a little apple cider vinegar which i fucking hated but on day three it's like oh i can't wait for that apple cider vinegar. (laughs) you know you're about to get home it's like oh man I, i just want that apple cider vinegar so bad but um on day six, when I started eating again, you know, you have to be really careful introducing food back in because your stomach's just not equipped for a, a big meal or something. Even though you just want to eat everything around you, you know, I I just sauteed some vegetables and ate a little bit of peanut butter and it was under 500 calories. And the next day I pumped it up to like 750 and then the next day maybe like 1200 or something and then I started eating normal again but I mean I lost like 16 pounds in those five days ton of water weight I mean the before and after pictures of my face especially completely different and um and you know guys like Ben Greenfield and um some of these other fasting gurus and stuff to say you know a three to five day fast is actually you should actually probably do that you know two to three times a year at least just for uh you know clean out your cells and um yeah detox yeah detox and what's it called uh uh afrophagy or it's on the tip of my tongue autophagy uh where your cell where your cells uh like eat themselves or whatever and so a lot of people during these extended fasts you know they actually you know a higher level of um uh stem cell production occurs and old injuries could actually be fixed well maybe not completely fixed but uh a lot of improved improved so you know you get that improved um stem cell growth and um the autophagy and stuff like that and it could really help a lot for a lot of people but you know just 
trying to tell people that you don't need to eat all these times a day. I remember when I was trying to bodybuild, I was eating six, seven meals a day. And by the time I got to like the sixth or seventh, I'm like, I don't even want to eat this. I'm not even hungry right now. But you know, my coach was just like, oh, you need to, you know, you need to eat your meals. You need to hit your macros and stuff like that. And like, granted, I I lost like 35 pounds in two and a half months and I was looking pretty cut, but I also lost a substantial amount of strength because I was eating chicken and brown rice and broccoli, and it just wasn't satiating at all. And I actually passed out at the gym one time because I was I was just eating like chicken and broccoli, and then I just felt super lightheaded, went to the bathroom, just... And, you know, ever since I went on keto... Um, start eating high fats or maybe not even eating at all. My body gets fat adapted. You know, I can go to the gym on a 24 hour fast and crank out a workout. And, you know, people would say, oh, no, no, no. Well, you got to have, you know, a certain amount of sugar in your cells. You see the banana or protein shake or this or that or the other thing before you go to the gym. So you can really get that explosive um, effect to your workout. I'm just like, well, I don't, I actually feel a little bit better when I don't have any food in my system and I'm working out. I'm the same way. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. It, it's funny because you try to explain to people like, you know, like last night, for example, uh, Sunday nights I play pickup soccer and uh, I, we play seven to nine. Sometimes we go, usually we go longer. Yesterday we played seven to 10 and at, we're, we're done. And I'm like, uh, I was telling one of my buddies, I'm like, I still haven't ate a damn thing today. And they're like, shut the fuck up. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I, he's like, I couldn't do it. I'm like, you couldn't do it because your body is dependent on glucose. Yep. Your body. I'm like, I was the same way. I remember when I used to go play pickup pick uh, basketball, like same thing. I'd always eat on my way there. I'd be like, oh, let me have a protein bar. Let me, you know, whatever. Because if my blood sugar goes down, I get lightheaded and I don't have any energy and I or whatnot. And then uh, I realized like, it was because I was dependent on glucose. Like once you teach your body to burn the fat, and like I tell people, I'm like it's fat storage. I'm like it's the reason why it's called fat storage because your body's storing it to use it as fuel. I'm like if you keep giving it glucose, it's never gonna burn the fat storage. Mm-hmm. I'm like it just stores it. So I'm like if your goal is to burn the fat, I'm like stop giving it glucose, let it burn the fat. And uh, so it, it just you know what it is? It's so counterproductive, or it seems like it, it's so against what we've been told our whole lives. Like. For you know, I'm I'm assuming you know you're you're roughly my age or you know younger. Uh, I'm assuming how old are you? If you don't mind. Twenty four. Twenty four. Okay, so you're, uh, yeah, I'm thirty five. But we in in our generations, like we grew up, basically like being told that like, don't worry about sugars, like ignore that. Fats is the culprit. Blame fat for everything. And uh, and we've been t- told that for so long that it's hard for people to kind of rethink the way they've been looking at food for a long period of time. So it, it is it is a shock to the system when you tell people like, hey, 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 like start eating more fat or remove sugar. And they're like, wait, wait, what? Like, yeah, yeah, do you like get get rid of carbs, get rid of breads. And and it's a big life change too because it's been it's become such a huge part of people's diet, like a starch, a something, you know, where it's like it just becomes just like people can't eat meat without having a side, some pasta or rice or potatoes. And I'm just like, it's not necessary. I mean, we, my wife, who is one of the pickiest eaters ever, and, you know, Italian, I mean, we would go out, I remember when we first started dating, she would order a bowl of pasta. And I'm like, you're not going to get any protein or anything? She's like, no, I'm good. And, and I'm like, okay, you know, and, um, and even with like those, those habits, those bad habits, 
little by little, she started noticing like, okay, well, I'm, you know, he's looking better and he's not, especially when we had kids because I couldn't go to the gym as much. So I was much stricter with my diet to try to make up for it. And she's like, you're like getting leaner and you're not going to the gym. And she's like, I'm like, yeah, cause I'm like, I'm not eating any carbs or sugar. And, uh, and then eventually she gave in, she was sick of eating like pasta and rice and whatever, just for her. Cause the thing about like potatoes or rice or pasta it's hard to make like a serving just for one person. You make yep. like, a lot of it. So it's just like, she's like, I'm not going to make all this food and you're not even going to eat it. So eventually she gave in and we found out that like, okay, or she found out it was like, okay, I could do cauliflower rice. I could do spaghetti squash. I can do, um, you know, maybe just have a big salad with some meat. And, um, cause that's the other thing. People are always like, Oh, how do you uh, eat when you go to a restaurant? And I'm like, the, the same way I eat at home. I'm like, you just get a salad if you want a salad with some meat. I'm like, what do you order when you go to a restaurant? I'm like, unless you're eating literally just a giant bowl of pasta, chances are the majority of your, you know, what you're consuming is going to be fish or some type of meat anyways, chicken or pork or steak, veal, whatever it is. So I'm like, you just remove that side and maybe add a salad if you want a side or don't have a salad or don't have a side at all. And uh, I'm like, it's not, it's not that hard. Like people think like it's this giant life change. It's like, really? It's more removing a thing than it is adding something, you know, I'm like, you're already eating the things you should be eating. You just remove the things you shouldn't be eating. And so it's, it's really not that hard. And now the keto diet and the paleo diet has become so popular that there's so many great products, you know, all the primal kitchen stuff, you know, like their dressings are awesome. Their uh, avocado, uh, everything's organic avocado, uh, based. And, you know, they're, um, I use a lot of their, uh, what was it called? The Chipotle sauce. You know, it's spicy. I like having a glass of wine with dinner. So I'll have a glass of wine, uh, with it and the spiciness, uh, really complements it well. But, uh, there's so many, like just great products out there. I mean, you go to any grocery store, you can find keto stuff now in the aisles where like back in the day, like we made everything from scratch, which was a little harder, but it would probably, honestly, it was probably better for you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now, now you get a little lazier. It's easier just to buy something at the grocery store. But when we had to make all our sauces and everything at home, um, you figure you're getting, you know, ingredients, you're cutting it up. It's not, you know, in a package that's uh, sitting at the store for a while. So it probably is better for you. But yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, some people call it like a fat diet, and I just like um, since the beginning of human history, you know, we've been eating animal meat. I mean, like the there's no but you know there's we've always eaten you know animal products. You know, it just there's no um, evidence that there's uh, any time where people just strictly only had plants. And uh, you know, I just heard um, on the recent Joe Rogan podcast they had. Uh, uh, the doctor Paul, uh, what's his name? Uh, Paul, uh, he's he's a big carnivore guy. Uh, it's a Saladino. Last name, last name. Yes, that yep. Yeah, and and he and he said something. They were saying something that it, it's a really good like talking point. Like they're like um, humans can consume the majority of animal products or animal meats. You know, fish. You know, any type of bison, whatever it may be. Uh, we can consume that just fine. And the majority of plants aren't edible we can't eat and if we do eat could make you sick so it's like what does that tell you you know so uh and people have to understand like you know if, if typically fruits were i mean i have a pear tree in at my house uh, on my yard and you know you get pears like a month out of the year and that's it and then you don't have fruit the rest of the year so like typically we weren't eating fruit all year round you know now you can do it do that you know you can go to go to a grocery store and nothing's ever out of season they just you know they have everything all the time so uh and the fruit has changed as i'm sure you know like oh yeah they've 
they've uh, you know they farmed them in a way where you know and genetically modified them in a way where they make them sweeter and bigger uh, so you get uh, more bang for your buck so they're they're more expensive when you buy them and they're sweeter so you like them more and you you want to buy it. so it's it literally become a d- dessert only a guilt-free dessert because you think because you're eating it's food, healthy like it's healthy yeah so everybody's like okay i can have some i can uh you know uh get my fix for my sweet tooth but yet i'm having something healthy so i don't feel guilty about it you know so it's uh yeah without a doubt i mean the food industry is i mean the same thing with like when i was on uh tinfoil hat one thing that that sam didn't know much about and we talked about uh, on on the air and i think before we recorded also via email or something like that we uh we talked about the history of like uh you know the anti-depression drugs anti-anxiety drugs all this stuff and um you know i referenced a documentary called uh, making a killing about all that stuff which i also have uh, corrected so come to find out scientology a scientology like front group or some type of group related to scientology end up funding this documentary and but yet all the information is right in it because like if you go through the uh, history of the dsm and all this stuff like you'll find I mean, you can go down so many rabbit holes in regards to like how unscientific the dsm is because it's all these just like very vague symptoms like oh if you're unhappy then you must have depression you're you're clinically depressed and it's like and you have a chemical imbalance it's like wait but how do you know i have a chemical imbalance you're not testing me for a chemical so you're giving me a pill to correct a chemical that's a balance that you haven't actually checked to see if it's in balance or how imbalanced it is to know how many uh, how strong of a pill i should be taking so it's like all this really baggy shit and, it, and a lot of it's because it's super easy to get you know make money off prescription drugs when you're just ba- it, it's up to the the doctor or the psychiatrist to decide like hey yeah i think he should take this i think you know it's, it, there's no test that proves that you have to take it it's all like just assumptions it's it's like just somebody's opinion and um so it becomes really unscientific and people become guinea pigs because the thing about these pills is that they don't like i said they, they don't know exactly what's wrong with you or what's causing um, the anxiety or depression or panic attacks whatever you're dealing with so you, they just keep giving you one pill then another pill then another pill and most of them because they can't suppress that specific feeling that might be causing the issue uh, like anxiety or depression they suppress all feelings and that's why you hear about these these school shooters uh, or you know these mass shooters a lot of them who, that are on these uh, these you know these pills they they basically are like zombies. They don't have emotions. They and I can testify to that, man, because my mom, my mom took them because my my brother actually, um, he's in prison right now, uh, maybe for the rest of his life. But after oh, that, that, yeah, after after, because um, I was just a kid when it happened. But after that, um, my mom went in this horrible depression. Like took. Um, anti-depression drugs and she said she would rather be depressed than feel nothing feel like a zombie she said she was just moving through life like everything was gray and you know she she hated it man and like what you were saying with these depression drugs like i remember one study was saying that you know people who took these drugs uh, felt less depressed by like 40% or something like that. But then the placebo was 30%. So you're saying that these drugs are 10% more effective than a placebo? And then another thing that I think, why are we using neurologists for this when we know that a lot of mental problems actually come from the gut microbiome? We should have a gut microbiome specialist working with these people. Like my ex-girlfriend had 
really bad depression, and but she also had a lot of gut issues and these things. And I was telling her, I'm like, Emily, you gotta, you gotta, you know, fix your gut. And I, I really think that a lot of this depression, and she, you know, she just never got on the horn with that and all this stuff. Remember but that, that, that saying, uh, I got a gut feeling. And yeah. They believe that that's what it means. It means that they understood that there was this relation between, you know, the mentally and, and you know how you felt and how you're. It's the your second gut. brain. I've heard a lot of yeah. people refer to it as the second brain. There's so much bacteria, and a lot of a lot of these things. Um, like, if you start eating bad for a couple of days, two, three days, then your gut is signaling to you like it wants more of that and then it you know after the course of like two or three months of eating clean then you start to crave like only clean foods but it takes a while so if you start eating poorly your gut is sending and dude those sometimes those signals are overwhelming you know like you walk past the cookie aisle or some shit like that it's like i need those star spangled banner oreos right now and so and i mean i fucking got them because it, it was like the impulse was almost just so overwhelming. Like I, I just had to grab those cookies at that, at that very moment. And that all those signals are coming from the gut and those bacteria telling you to get those cookies or to order that pizza or something like that. And so why wouldn't we think that same impulse could also have negative effects? You know, a lot of people have stuff like leaky gut and... You know, Chris Kresser talks about it all the time. You need to fix your gut. You know, change or fix your gut, fix your life uh, with a lot of these things, especially people with mental issues. I mean, I think a lot of yeah. these things can be traced back to gut health. I completely agree. I mean, when I, I had some gut issues a while ago, similar to you, I, I was in a car or a truck a lot. So that's when I was catching up to uh, podcasts. So I was constantly listening to them. And that's how, I mean, I'm sure you listened to, you know, a couple interviews where I, I mentioned this, but that's how I got into them because I was constantly commuting and it, it gave me something productive to do while I was commuting. I could listen to something thought-provoking and interesting. So um, what the fuck was my point? Uh, well, oh, uh, God. So yeah. sometimes on, on a long drive home, uh, you know, later at night or you work for a long day, I would smoke a cigar. I love cigars. So I would have a cigar on the way home. It would keep me up. The nicotine would kind of give me a, a little bit of a stimulant. And sometimes I'd have a coffee with it or whatever. Sometimes I would do that in the morning. And uh, But I was, I've been fasting. I've been doing like basically like, a, you know, I eat one meal a day. So, you know, similar to yourself, uh, I eat late at night and that's it. That's And then I don't eat again until the night, the, the next day, regardless if I'm doing physical activity or not. And, um, but I think all that smoking and and drinking coffee uh, on an empty stomach was fucking up my gut. And then uh, eventually, after a while of doing this, uh, I had like I felt like shit. Like I couldn't get out of bed, and I'm like, "What the hell is wrong?" And it felt like a gut issue only because like it was the only thing that could explain the way I felt. Because I'm like, I'm not, I don't have a cold, I'm not sick, but I just feel like I have like something's wrong. And uh, and it's hard to explain gut issues, but uh, but. I eventually I couldn't eat anything. I, I had no energy mentally. Like I felt like a mess. Uh, and I had yogurt. I'm like, let me try yogurt. Let me see if like the probiotics help with this. Like, what if it's a, a gut issue? So I had yogurt, and it like instantly made me feel a little better. And it was the only thing I could eat. I'm like, oh, it's a fucking gut issue. So I end up um, what I end up doing was I end up actually taking uh, Joe Rogan's product from on it, uh, Total Gut Health, mm. and I literally took that stuff. 
for like six months straight. It's expensive, but and it was like seven pills in each uh, packet, and you have it with a. Uh, well, if you're eating multiple meals, you have one packet with the biggest meal of your day. I was only eating one meal a day, so I'd have it with that one meal. And it's like seven, seven or eight uh, pills. It has like probiotics, prebiotics, enzymes, a bunch of stuff. So it's like a little bit of everything. And um, and immediately I start feeling better, and I realized, yep, that was a gut issue. But I felt so shitty, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm like, people who like aren't like equipped to understand that this could be causing, even if you have this some mild uh, gut issue, it could be affecting your energy, cognitively how you feel, um, all of these other you know things. Because then I start looking into uh, like you know smoking or drinking, you know caffeinated stuff on um, it was just black coffee, but. Uh, when I go to the gym, sometimes I have a pre-workout. I, I try to have something with low uh, caffeine, but I, I'm like, well, I'm having caffeine in the morning. I'm having caffeine in the afternoon. Then if I, you know, at this time before the lockdown, I was like going to the gym in the morning. Sometimes I'd be a little run down um, in the afternoon, you know, before podcasts or, or whatnot, or when I get home to hang out with the kids uh, because I'm up so early to go to the gym before work. And then I play basketball late at night. So then I'm like, I'm like, oh, I need a little upper again. So I have to have constantly having caffeine on an empty stomach and I think just all those things started uh, adding up and, and giving me issues and then I, I started talking to friends about it you know like I'd have a friend that like oh I, I don't want coffee uh, um, you know we'd go out to dinner with a group of us and like oh you know we'd get I love espresso we'd have an espresso after dinner and my friends that didn't want it I, I before I had this issue I was never even you know I never even thought twice about why they didn't want one I just assumed they didn't want one so I started asking people when I was around them like hey does it not make you feel good or do you just not want one? And they're like, no, no, it fucks up my stomach. And then I'm like, ha. Mm. I'm like, and then I start, you know, going with the spiel about like, hey, it could be a gut issue, you know? And I'm like, hey, look into this or, you know, here's some information. Here's a podcast. Here's this. Here's that. And um, and I started becoming much more aware. And then I started talking to my mother because my mother doesn't drink coffee. And I'm like, mom, why don't you drink coffee? And she's same thing. She's like, oh, it fucks up my stomach. I'm like, gut issue, you know? And um, so then it started, it, it just, I, I didn't realize how many people that I was surrounded by and hung out with all the time that probably had some type of gut issues that I wasn't aware of. And um, until I started researching myself about like caffeine and anything else could stimulate uh, some gut issues you might have. So uh, Well, and I, it depletes zinc. I mean, if you drink yeah. over 400 milligrams of caffeine in a day, you could start really seeing some serious zinc depletion. So, I mean, I feel like if you start going over that, then you want to start supplementing with zinc because I know my buddy would drink like two, three banes in a day. Like, you know, uh, Bane, the energy drink. And that's yeah. like that's like 300 milligrams each can. So, and, and he was doing some serious zinc, um, um, supplementing with zinc because he was drinking all that caffeine. So, um, well, he's too smart enough to do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Most people aren't aware of that. Yeah, it's, a, you know, and the thing with supplements too, it's like, I know, you know, people are like, oh, well, they they don't have to be FDA approved or whatever. And I'm always like, well, I mean, if it's if, if it's a food extract, I'm like, why, you know, if it comes from food, if food doesn't have to be FDA approved, why the fuck should a vitamin be FDA approved? Plus, you can't patent vitamins. So, like, so I try to explain to people, like, you have to understand, like, there's not a whole lot of money in vitamin C when everybody can put out their own vitamin C. So I'm like, you can't patent it. If you had to go through the hula hoops of getting it FDA approved, I'm like, literally, there would be no supplements on the market because there would be even less profitable. So, and, and if it's just food, I get it. I mean, there is like quality. I, I try to tell people too, I'm like, listen, there's different qualities of stuff. I'm like, there's like grass-fed beef 
or there's McDonald's beef. I'm like, well, when you buy vitamins, it's the same thing. I'm like, don't just go to your local, you know, convenience store. Just, oh, here's some vitamin C. I'm like, see if it's a company that has been around for a while, one that you trust, one that has a good reputation, or you're going to get some really bad quality shit. Or in some cases, you've heard people actually test the supplements, and I'm sure you've heard of this too, where, like, it's not even what you're buying, or there's, like, no real traces of um, of what, you know, it says that is in there. So it's like that, that, that does happen. And that's why when you see companies like on it, or you see, uh, food companies like primal kitchen and you, you know, and you have to pay a little bit more, uh, you know, I tell people I'm like, you're paying a little more probably because it's better ingredients and better quality stuff. You know, it's like, you're not, and the way I look at it, it's like out of all places I'm going to cheap out on, it's not going to be food. Like I have friends that have like, uh, you know, uh, we live in a really like modest house in a little neighborhood. Um, but I have friends that Portuguese neighborhood. Houses. Yeah, Portuguese <laughs> neighborhood, yes. And and uh and the thing is like I tell my buddies I'm like I'm like we well I'm like we, we can't buy a big house because we eat organic and it's too expensive to like eat the way we eat because I'm like I'd rather go spend, you know, 200 bucks at the grocery store on like, you know, healthy stuff and healthy ingredients and and um uh, you know, uh, healthy food than, you know, uh, save that 200 bucks and put it towards a mortgage because what good is it having a big house if you feel like shit, if you don't have energy, if your mood's affected by the way you eat or how, what you eat? Man, I need to get my girlfriend in the room. I, dude, I, like, I tell her, I tell her this all the time. I'm like, it, it's an investment in ourselves. Like, just buy the, the grass fed, grass finished beef instead of the regular beef. I know the regular beef is like sometimes half the price or something like that, two, three dollars you know, lower than the grass fed, grass finished. But it's in the end, like, we don't have all of those. Uh, hormones that they put in the beef and all of the other stuff like it, it's just it's an investment in ourselves at the end of the day well this is the, the I, maybe you've heard me say this before but it, I try to tell people I'm like listen like what if I told you you get one car your whole life like one car that's it like if that car falls apart you're stuck with it if it, if if you're on like you know three tires because one blew or you or the engine's knocking because you didn't change oil on time and you don't have any horsepower it, I'm like but maybe you lost a cylinder, whatever it may be. I'm like, you're you're stuck with that car, whatever. Like, so that means if it if it doesn't start all the time, you have to get to work. You're fucked, and that's it. I'm like, what would you do? You'd be like, you know what? I'm gonna take care of this car because I can't trade it in. I can't get another car. I'm like, so that's the way you have to look at your body. Like, people look at their bodies almost like, you know, like they can trade it in. Like, you, like you can just if a car falls apart, you can just you know, trade it in for a new car, but you can't do that with your body. Like if your car, you have to put the high octane gas, you have to put the synthetic oil, you have to put all the best stuff in your car, in your, in your body, which I'm referring to as a car, because if that thing falls apart, like you're stuck with it. And that's the way people have to look at it is like the long term picture. Like people look short term, like, Oh, I save a couple bucks now. But the thing is, and I think Chris, uh, Dr. Chris Crusher has said this also, like you don't go from like healthy to sick overnight. You go from like healthy and then your life decisions, I, you know, maybe not picking the best quality food, maybe not eating the best stuff, uh, maybe snacking too much on, on bullshit, maybe drinking too much Gatorade and, and all this electrolyte and, and, and sugar and all this nonsense that you really don't need when you're playing video games at home. I mean, that's really for like high intense athletes. I mean, when it first was uh, uh, put together, I mean, it was about it, it was about helping the Florida, uh, you know, I think the football team, the Gators, uh, in regards to um, you know, just trying to stay hydrated because you're you're working, uh, you're exercising, and you're you're playing football in, in such humidity and, and such a heat that you need some help and kind of holding that uh, that uh, hydration. 
but the majority of people are using it as just a drink and and uh, so many things that we snack on that we don't even take in consideration isn't even really food and you get zero nutritional value from and uh so it's like you have to look at your body like okay if i'm making these poor decisions now yeah like i feel fine but little by little little by little it could have a negative effect on you and then when you hear these stories of like you know my wife used to work at a bank and she'd be like oh you you know that guy john who's a customer i'm like yeah yeah he's like he just died like out of nowhere he just had a heart attack whatever and i'm like and i i, I would always tell him like you think it's random you think it was just a but I'm like, I bet you if I looked at his medical history, if I looked at his lifestyle, if I looked at, you know, really investigated uh, how he ate, how he lived, all this stuff, I'm like, I bet you this didn't just happen out of nowhere. I'm like, I'm sure it was just poor decisions. And, and, and you know, I'm sure there's some spontaneous things that do happen, but the majority of the time, it just adds up. It's poor decision after poor decision of maybe, you know, not getting enough sleep, maybe uh, eating on the go all the time because you know you don't want to actually sit down and have a, a, a good meal um, getting takeout snacking uh, not exercising enough all these things will add up and then next thing you know you're sick and you're like oh what the fuck you know how did I you know how did this happen to me you know and it's just like I, I, I truly think that it's like all those decisions will someday catch up to you maybe it's when you're 40 maybe when, when you're 50 maybe when you're 60 but one day you're gonna be like oh shit I have stage 4 cancer how could this be? And it's like, well, you've been fucking, you know, eating sugary stuff your whole fucking life. You get almost zero nutrition out of what you eat. You know, like, um, I forget who said it. I'd love to give them credit. But they say, like, when you eat, it's like either helping you or hurting you. You know, you have to look at it that way. Like, is, is what, I, what I'm eating helping me or hurting me? Is there some proteins, amino acids like you get from meats and that, that can help you? And, um, or is it something that's literally like there's no nutritional value? It's just a lack of like self-control and I just have this, these temptations of like eating this because it has good flavor or I like the crunch or whatever it may be but yet I get nothing out of it no value out of it besides some mouth satisfaction for a short period of time and and to me like guilt has always been one of my best tools in, in regards to a lot of the, like my life and I feel guilty when I eat like shit my wife would always be like oh well you gotta stop being so hard on yourself when you when you have a, a, a a bad day of eating or whatever i'm like you don't understand I'm like it's not a bad thing it's what motivates me tomorrow to not do this make the same mistakes it's what motivates me tomorrow to get back on track um you know I, and i start calling reward days so you don't feel quite as guilty about it. it's like okay i i reward reward myself by tonight we're getting pizza we're watching movies we're, we're gonna just have a family uh night we're all just gonna be slobs and then tomorrow i'm back on track and and when you start like you said in regards to your body adapting to how you eat, once you adapt to eating well, when you you start noticing how shitty you feel when you do eat shitty, you know, you're going to be like, holy crap, I don't want to feel like this. Like, yeah. you, even when I have a cheat day, like, you know, I felt great for like two seconds and once I'm done eating, I'm like, oh my God, like I feel like crap. And this feeling of like days of days of feeling like I'm still processing food, like to me, it's not worth the little bit of mouth satisfaction. It's just not worth it. So it's, um, and there's so many, like the Charlie Foundation, like I mentioned, Dr. Thomas Seafried's uh, research, which I was actually exposed to uh, via uh, Dr. Dominic D'Agostino, and, uh, uh, you know, great, you know, just great researcher and, and really uh, deep into the ketogenic world. I think there's some real benefits in being in ketosis. I think there's some real long-term benefits of fasting, you know, like we talked about detoxing and all that stuff. Um, you know, joint pain, like, like I said, I play soccer Sunday nights, usually 
my cheat day will be a Sunday night after soccer. We'll eat pizza. And I'm like, you know, I earned it. I've been playing soccer for three hours. Um, but yesterday I didn't. And I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm like, I need a, a, a day, you know, a couple weeks um, without a cheat day. And today my joints felt so much better because I, there's a price to pay for that. I was about to say, you probably feel it in your joints on Monday. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And, and, and usually it's pretty bad. Like the next morning I'm like, fuck, man. Like every, my ankles hurt, my knees hurt. And, uh, and of course there's going to be some pain in regards to, uh, you know, a little bit of joint discomfort because if you're playing for long periods of time, it's not like you're immune to being sore or um, having a little bit of pain. But, boy, is there a difference when I carb. Uh, when I eat carbs, uh, you know, after playing compared to just eating, you know, a typical clean diet. Like yesterday, all I had was uh, a bunch of eggs and a bunch of steaks, and that was it, and, and a glass of wine, and that was my, my meal. No salad, no nothing, um, and that's literally all I ate for the whole day. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's a – and to me, it's just like those benefits of, like, being able to go all day. Like you were talking about when you were uh, bodybuilding. Like – fucking food becomes like literally a stress like it's like oh my god like no i gotta i just finished eat, eating and i'm already stressing about what i'm gonna eat on my next meal yeah or what i'm gonna eat for my next meal and it's like when you're eating once or twice a day it's like it's super simple it's like i just gotta think about one meal a day like i don't have to stress about like oh i ate breakfast and i'm right thinking about what am i gonna eat for lunch i eat lunch oh what am i gonna eat for dinner you know it's like you don't have to stress about it and you have way more time because i don't have to um, you know, stop and eat all the time. I can focus on feeding my kids. I can focus on um, on getting things done. You know, and and, and doing something instead of uh, uh, you know constantly stopping and then having to figure out what to eat. Uh, it does make eating. You know, I've thought about this. I'm like, uh, it does make eating organic a little cheaper because when you're only eating one or two meals a day, yeah. Um, you know, you're you're spending more money on that meal, but you know, you're only eating it once or twice a day compared to three meals, you know? So it's like, you might be, people have to look at it that way too. It's like, well, it's so expensive to eat that way, but you're eating way more often too, you know? And all that like snacking, all that stuff, that stuff adds up. You go to a gas station, oh, let me get some chips. Let me get this, let me get that, you know? And um, it adds up where like me, it's like, yeah, I might spend a little bit more on the ingredients or what I'm actually eating, but I'm only eating once a day. So it makes it a, a little bit easier. Um, I mean, I know your pain in regards to being in a truck. Like, it's hard to not want a snack when you're in a truck. I don't know what it is about driving that makes people want a snack, but I can see how that, like, makes it a tad harder. Were you still working at FedEx once you transitioned into uh, fasting and, and all that stuff? Um, yeah, I was working at FedEx, and, you know, I think, I think I was around, like, 217 pounds, like, just kind of, like, let myself go, and... Um, like after working at FedEx and like listening to all these podcasts, you know, like I got down to like 185, like uh, really looking good. And then um, again, just kind of like letting myself slip because it's like, well, and I, on my phone, like I always have my phone in my pocket because I'm listening to podcasts. So I would, you know, track how many miles I was doing. It's like, well, tomorrow tomorrow's a Wednesday. It's my heaviest day. Probably gonna you know run 12 miles because. I was that like I was that FedEx guy that ran, like run to the front door, run back to the truck. I, like I said, man, I'm trying to get out there, out like back to my house as soon as possible. So I'm running to the front door. I'm running back. So you know I'm I'm doing like 12 miles worth of sprints. I mean like I'm not in a dead Usain Bolt sprint to the door, but you know I'm jogging to the door and jogging back. So you know 12 miles of that every day. It's like well fuck man, tonight I can. 
you know, I'll, I'll let myself go. Because a big thing uh, for me and my friends, me and my buddies, we, we would always get together for the NFL draft. That was our big thing. We liked watching all the prospects and stuff like that. So we'd get uh, Giordano's Pizza, which is like some of the best pizza around the Chicago area. Like Giordano's Pizza, if you're ever in the Chicago area, that's, that's what you got to get. Um, so we get a Giordano's pizza, get some beer, sit down for the draft. It's like, ah, shit, tomorrow's, tomorrow's Wednesday. You know, I can, I can take it. And then, oh man, come Wednesday, you're just like, I'm waddling into the truck. I'm walking to each stop. I'm not running or anything like that. Cause I just feel like crap. And like what you were saying, man, I mean, how much, how, how many things have you procrastinated over because you just felt like total crap because it was a diet, a dietary thing because you ate yourself into that position. And how many people have ate themselves into a position where they aren't accomplishing anything or they're procrastinating on everything that they want to do because of their dietary position? You know, they're tired at, uh, at 11 or noon because they're crashing from their breakfast or what have you or you know they can barely even stay awake and watch a show when they get home from work because they're so tired and they just need more sugar and uh i can't remember i think i think it was dr Rhonda patrick where she was just like oh you're just a sugar burner like if, if you're just you know going meal to meal you know barely slugging it through the day and you need your next meal to keep you awake well you're you're just a sugar burner you gotta be you want to use what's on your body uh first and what's better than fat as a fuel source i mean it's your brain's preferred fuel source and you know a lot of people like you mentioned dom diagostino i've heard you know he'll go on a a day long or even two day long fast before a conference so he just has that sharp mental acuity when he's speaking which i find yeah. uh really interesting um have you to noticed say that like just a uh, cognitive like clarity when you're fasting oh yeah and it's kind of why i didn't eat before this just so i could you know zone in and think about all these things and um you know, well, they say certain survival reasons, like you know, you figured you had to be the most focused when you're, you know, starving, when you're hungry, because you had to get food. You know, mm -hmm. so your your brain was like already prepared to be like, okay, I got to focus. I can't go much longer without food. I, you know, it's, and so it kind of makes sense. And on uh, that five day fast, I had a terrible time sleeping. I was getting maybe five hours a night because your brain's just in that. We need food. We need food. We need food. Like. So it's hard to sleep at night because your body is just like, hey, man, like I know you're tired and I know it's midnight. And you got to be up at six. But, you know, you haven't eaten in three days. Like what's going on? Like should we go out? Should we go hunting? Should we go kill an animal and fucking eat it? Like I How mean. What's your energy levels? Um. Well, with the lack of sleep, it probably didn't help. Okay. Yeah, the lack of sleep didn't help. And, um. I don't know. Well, I probably had more energy than somebody would assume with less sleep and no food. Yeah. So, I mean, I was getting five hours a night and I was still, you know, going to FedEx, running my 10 miles, delivering all my packages, doing what I had to do. And this is all off of four or five days, no food. So like on Friday, man, I, I mean, I was I didn't eat shit. Actually, I think I started on a Tuesday um, because we had uh sundays and mondays off so I, I think i started on a tuesday went till saturday and then i ate on sunday so yeah i mean 
no one would have ever guessed that, you know, I'm five days no food and, you know, I'm delivering my 180th stop and, you know, I've, I've ran 12 miles in the day and no one would ever guess that I haven't eaten a single bite besides apple cider vinegar <laughs> for the last four yeah. or five days. Well, you're starting to see uh, people who do the keto diet, people who fast, something they're starting to be uh, much more critical with is uh, electrolytes. Well, not so much uh, like a sports drink, like a Gatorade, but water with electrolytes because one thing that is kind of hard to do you don't realize that like some of the, the salt the potassium some of the uh stuff you get from your food some of the moisture you get from your foods will keep you hydrated it's easier to stay hydrated when you're eating when you're fasting for long periods of time and you're having nothing but like you know possibly water and and coffee you know uh then it's it's harder to uh, stay hydrated you know people yep. will have issues with cr- cramping i know uh um wolf what's his name um is Robert? No, what's his name? Uh, Rob Wolf. Yeah, yep, Rob yep. Wolf. Oh, I'm second guessing myself. Uh, Rob Wolf. He, uh, you know, he talked about how when he was trying to diagnose people, try to figure out like what their issues are when they went on a paleo keto diet or whatnot. Uh, they found, and I think this is, he actually describes uh, the blossoming of his his new company. He has like a, some electrolyte company, and uh, that's what provoked his interest in it was because he was finding out that a lot of people who were having like headaches or low energy or cramping when, when they were uh, transitioning to a uh, keto like diet and fasting, uh, it was because of just a, a lack of hydration or having a hard time staying hydrated. That's why like a, a lot of times during the day, especially if I do a lot of physical activity, I'll, I'll drink like the core waters, you know, or something that has some electrolytes or something in there to kind of help me stay hydrated a little better. Um, you know, even some alkaline water or something that has... But then guys like Ben Greenfield make me scared to even drink out of plastic. So then I get get nervous about buying those waters because I'm just like, all right, well, like, I'm getting the hydration and the electrolytes, but then I'm getting, like, all those phthalates or whatever they're called from the plastic. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It's funny you say that because it's, like, so many things, even, like, I've I've even... uh, (laughs) I've gone so far into getting like completely natural, like for a long time, actually I still do it. I brush my teeth with like only charcoal, like charcoal toothpaste. I, uh, I, I use this deodorant that was all like natural ingredients. Cause I'm like, anything that's on my body or in my body, I'm like, it has, there's chemicals in it. So it has to have some effect on you. And there's a, a crazy podcast I did. Um, this was uh, quite a while ago with this guy, uh, Something Allen, what the fuck is this? Something Allen, what the hell? I can't remember his name, but he was an attorney, and um, and his book was called Poisoned, and uh, he was this like Miami attorney was like locking up drug cartels and all this shit, like making tons of money and doing really well, like opened up a, a brand, you know, or, or uh, bought like a brand new building, uh, redid it or whatever, and he moves into this new building, and all of a sudden he starts getting really sick, and I. Uh, there, he was for, I mean, it was a long time of trying to diagnose him, trying to figure out what was going on. And uh, come to find out, he was having some type of allergic reaction or autoimmune reaction to the chemicals that were used in, like, the paint or, um, you know, the, the plastics and, and just a uh, computer or whatever. Maybe, like, some type of the, something in the office uh, was having, you know, this negative effect on him. And it was so bad that, that he was put in like a bubble in in like the woods away from anything synthetic. Like they they put him like a ca- I don't know if it was like a cabin or something like that with nothing synthetic in it whatsoever. And he he had to like just rest there. And he was there for like I don't know if it was a year or two years. It was a crazy story. Wow. And then he finally started getting better and found out he was having like some 
reaction to these chemicals. I mean, I don't know if you remember hearing the story about like the lead paint in New York, right? New York City, how the crime rate actually went down when they had the new policy they had to get rid of all the lead paint. I've never heard and, that, but that's amazing. Yeah, and the reason why is there was actually a, and they've done studies where they've actually proven it actually had an effect on your psyche and on, on your moods and emotionally and all, all the lead paint was, there's an actual correlation between crime going down and removing of the lead paint. And uh, so something that like you don't, even, you don't even think about, like so how many things around us, like from like the chemicals that are used in our clothes, um, you know, I mean, the, the thing about corporations, it's like everything is about profit, you know, and if you're a suit and tie and you're in, you know, boardroom meeting and you're like, okay, how do we cut costs? And you find out there's some cheap chemical to dye your food. But then it's subsidized your- by the government to make yeah. it cheaper than some of these. I mean, imagine if they were subsidizing uh, uh, natural ingredients and uh, and organic foods. Why are they subsidizing, you know, all of this BS, you know? And that's where the conspiracy elements start coming into it. But you just have to ask yourself, well, why are you... Uh, uh, like, why are you subsidizing all of these chemicals and you're not subsidizing organic produce or meats or something like that? Well, the crazy thing is, like, everything becomes, oh, I fucking, it, these rabbit holes are just crazy because, like, so we're like, you know, the, you become like, you know, you go into conspiracy world and you realize, like, Monsanto's evil, they're, you know, they're, they're, um, pesticides. The uh, roundup, all this stuff could be causing serious negative effects. In many cases, they knew it. Um, you know, I remember when I had, uh, I forget the other attorney I had on from uh, the movie Dark Water, Dark Waters or Dark Water. I, but it's about a, a DuPont case where this attorney finds out that um, that DuPont was hiding all these, all this evidence that they knew Teflon was actually causing cancer and other harmful effects. But Teflon was such a big money maker. Uh, they use it for so many things, from everything from like nonstick pans and all that stuff. Um, and uh, but anyways, it's a great movie called Dark Waters. It has a great cast. It's based on a true story. He was actually a attorney who uh, a family member or a friend of a family member, a mutual friend, was like, "Hey, you gotta uh, come see what's going on at my farm. All my animals are dying. People are getting sick or whatever. And we're next to this Dupont factory. And I I swear that they have something to do with it. And um and he actually worked at a firm that represented a lot of chemical companies so he was kind of you know hesitant and then eventually um he ends up looking into this and exposing one of the biggest you know uh corruption cases ever uh m3m and dupont like they all had evidence and they suppressed it from the public that they knew that it was having harmful effects when you're cooking with this stuff if it came off on your food uh it it could uh get in your system and it, it could be harmful and so it was like, you know, there's stories and stories and stories of, of this stuff. But so then, you know, it's like it's easy to be like, oh, yeah, eat GMO or GMO free, eat organic, eat stuff that's certified organic. And then I remember watching a documentary about like the organic labeling, you know, or like um, how all the loopholes in that, you know. So it's like even yep. when there's like something that you think is positive, then it's like they find a way to fuck around with that. Like there's, you know, these guidelines, right, for like, oh, a uh, uh, like for example, one one part part of the documentary, I remember when they talk about like free range chickens. Like they don't necessarily, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that they actually walk around. It just means that the door is open and they can't. And it's like they, they can label it as free range chicken just because they're not locked. Did you do a podcast with Grimerica? 
I, I did do a podcast crime America. With yeah. like semi oh, se- Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you said that exact thing and then and then uh Darren was like he's like, Oh yeah, he's like, Well I do that too and like I leave the door open and sometimes those motherfuckers just don't want to go outside. <laughs> and I I thought that, that was really true. funny. But I think in, in in some cases it's also because they're shoot like I remember, I mean, this is, uh, a, a, it was called, like, The Future of Food, uh, I believe was a documentary, a really good documentary. It came out before Food, Inc., but very similar to Food, Inc. And, um, you know, and they showed, like, a chicken today, you know, lives, like, you know, sometimes a month or two months or whatever, and it's, like, ten times the size of a chicken that they used to kill after, like, you know, six months, you know, and it just, uh, all the hormones and all that stuff makes them grow faster, makes them, I mean, that's also why they say, girls are getting like double d's when they're like 13 dude crazy you know? story about that actually is um <laughs> yeah <laughs> crazy story about that um no so uh one of my managers um so i now i moved to texas and um i don't work for fedex anymore i work for this uniform uniform company called Unifirst, and so one oh, of my man is actually near 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 where I live. I oh, really? All the time. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, one of my managers, he used to work for our uh, top competitor, Centos, and he would he would um, deliver uniforms to this plant that made the hormones and chemicals and stuff that they would inject into the chickens at this farm, which he had also serviced and delivered uniforms to. So he said he would see these chickens literally go from hatching one day to six weeks later, their legs were breaking because they were so heavy that they, and then you'll never guess that that chicken was actually one of the farms for church's chicken. I don't know if you have a church's chicken in Massachusetts, Okay, so that that must be just like a Chicago. Well, we have it in Chicago and down here in Austin, but um, so he said that they would sell that to Church's Chicken, and um, you know he's like, and why do you think the youth um, is they're developing so fast? Because they're eating the chicken, they're getting huge and overweight and all this stuff, and it's because they're eating the hormones in the food. And he saw it firsthand. I'm just like, damn, yeah. dude, that's crazy. Well, it's like the antibiotics, same thing. Like, I, I forget what majority of antibiotics are given to animals. Like, they're not even for humans. It's like 80% of antibiotics are given to animals. And then we're consuming some portion of that when we eat it, when we eat the meat, when we eat the food. So, uh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, they, they talked about, like, the hormones that they gave the cows to make, um, you know, make them produce more milk. Could have some correlation to, to girls, you know, having bigger breasts, which... You know, I'm not super against. You know, gonna, <laughs> Put some more homeowners in there. <laughs> I know. If there's any one of uh, the things we're talking about, I'm going to let slide up. Like, eh, let's, focus, yeah. let's focus on that one last. Yeah. <laughs> we'll focus on everything else first. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be protesting for that too anytime soon. But uh, <laughs> it, uh, it's, it's just, it's, it is one of those things where it's just like, we don't realize, like, you know, and I forget who, who said it, but it's like, we used to say, you are what you eat. Now it's like, you are what you eat eats you know it's like one of those things where just mm. like you know you're giving corn to these animals you're giving hormones to these animals so there's a lot of stuff in you know uh affected uh affecting you that you know isn't just about like what you're eating but it's also like how that animal is being raised and what it's being fed and what's being shot up with what's its environment um so i mean there is something about like uh i've been to quite a few game dinners and i remember the first time i went to a, a game dinner 
I, uh, you know, I'm very adventurous with my food, and I ate all these, like everything. I'll eat everything. I don't care what it is. Octopus. Uh, well, octopus isn't that weird. I yeah, I love octopus. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, same here. It's like actually a Portuguese tradition to have it on, on Christmas Eve, so we have it every Christmas Eve. But like bison, alligator, uh, you know, kangaroo, like they have all these exotic foods, and I would just take one of everything and just, you know, by the time I get to my table, I don't even know what what it, what's what, and I don't care because I just want to try it all. And you think like, you know, like you were talking about like how sensitive your stomach could be, especially when you fast for long periods of time. You don't want to eat a huge meal right away. You don't know how your body's going to react to it. You know, I kind of had the same thinking in regards to like eating all these foods my body is not used to. I'm like, first time I've had all these exotic foods. All these foods are basically unfamiliar to, to my body. I'm curious on how I'm going to feel. And I ate all of them and I felt awesome. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe how freaking, how good I feel. And I had energy and all this stuff. And, and it was just because like a lot of the stuff was wild animals. You know, even yeah. when I buy shrimp, I look for wild shrimp. You know, you don't want uh, farm-raised shrimp up. You know, so it, it is one of those things where, like, you know, all those little things, you know, it's even when you're eating healthy, like, oh, shrimp's good for you. Yeah, but are you getting wild shrimp? You know, oh, uh, you know, this is healthy for you. But, yeah, but is there a healthier version of that, you know? And, and there like, was a big thing know, with tilapia where they found tilapia farms where they weren't even feeding the fish. The fish were eating their own poop, and then they, they could survive off of that. For months at a time, you know, enough for them to be farmed and killed and then sold. At, yes, yes. That look, is crazy. And so, like, whenever I see tilapia, you know, like, we'll go to a burrito place that's really good called Cabo Bob's, and they got tilapia on there. It's like, oh, get the fried tilapia burrito. I'm like, that sounds really good, but tilapia makes me nervous. Look it up, yeah. dude. I mean, that shit, that shit that blew my mind when I saw that. But doesn't it all come to the same thing? It's like, you know... It's all about money. So suits and ties will figure out, like, okay, how do we make quarterly gains? I mean, look at, like, the GM scandal when uh, the, the little ignition problem that was, like, I don't know how much it was to fix. It was, like, some insignificant sum of money to fix. But you're like, oh, we don't want to recall a bunch of uh, vehicles, so we're just going to ignore it. And then next thing you know, like, a couple people died because of this ignition I issue. And yet there was meeting minutes um, showing that they knew what they were doing. And, uh, but that's like, it's, that's what it's all about. So sometimes like we talk about these big corporations, like they're all evil. Like there's this guy, uh, you know, at the top of the ladder who are just like, let's hurt people. Let's be evil to people. But uh, sometimes it's really just as simple as, you know, corporations are designed to make maximum profit. And if that means, you know, cutting a corner somewhere, if that means maybe disposing of something toxic a way you shouldn't, but it'll save you money. If that means, you know, putting a chemical that, you know, even fracking, uh, for example, like when they frack, uh, like it's like 180 different chemicals are shot into the earth, yep. and the majority of them, they're not even sure. Like they haven't been tested. They're too new. They don't know what they do. They don't know if they can be harmful. So <laughs> That's like, hilarious. It's like, well, what does this chemical do? It's like we don't know. It's like fuck it, yeah. shoot it down there. <laughs> yeah. but, but that's the thing. Like, so there's all these chemicals. They they don't know what effect it's having on the soil. That's remember when they were all the, uh, people who who were uh, relating the earthquakes to where they're fracking. Yeah. Uh, they were think, thinking there's some uh, relation. But the thing is, like, if you can use some chem chemical that helps helps you frack makes it easier to whatever the process is to do that process but yet you know you're not sure if, if it could have some harmful effect to the soil or whatever um you're gonna do it because if it, like don't if if you're paid to to you know be a project manager or whatever it may be 
um, to make maximum profit. And especially because you're talking about public companies, the thing about public companies, it's like they really don't think long term. It's about like, okay, how do we keep our stockholders happy? How do we keep our, uh, you know, how do we keep making uh, more profit every quarter? Then that means like, you know, do whatever it takes. That means like, like I said, use a chemical that uh, could be harmful that maybe you're not sure of. You know, you're not going to make moral decisions. That's why like capitalism, it's such a fascinating argument because in some cases like you can find examples where it makes sense and it works you know in, in regards to not being harmful to the world like if we both had coffee shops and i was across the street and i was getting better service better quality coffee then yeah you know capitalism works the, the better company is the one that's going to grow um but it, it, once it gets to a point where i'm huge and now i'm walmart or i'm home depot or i'm you know whatever target then now i have influence on you know, I can hire lobbyists. I have influence on politicians. I have influence on, or the resources to to buy smaller businesses and and kind of uh, get rid of my uh, my competition. And then it's not about like whoever is just the best company wins. Now it's about like okay, um, I'm just going to be this octopus that you know just grabs all these other industries and and have all this influence everywhere and all these tentacles everywhere. Uh, and and it's just not a fair. Uh, fight anymore and and that's the thing like I think in in small sample sizes yeah capitalism does make sense it does seem to work uh, but I think once you get big enough once you get successful enough those rules just go out the fucking window you know like you just have incredible influence and in, in, on um, on everything you know from politicians to 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 what I mean look at what's going on with the lockdown um, in regards to like how many companies and businesses sacrificed and and are you know are done it's all small businesses. The big they say sixty percent of them will probably never open again. Yeah, yeah, and and the big uh, corporate companies, yeah, they they'll show losses. They they'll show maybe, um, you know, maybe they won't have a, a, as good of a year because of the lockdown, but they're gonna survive. But they'll be okay. It just means that instead of being billionaires, they're gonna be millionaires. Well, yeah. So well, I mean, how many billionaires? I'm like, I, I'm sure you've seen some of the infographics, like. I mean, I'm pretty sure Bill Gates has made a killing. Bezos has make a, made a, a killing. Zuckerberg has made a killing. Like, a yeah. lot of these billionaires have actually doubled their wealth during this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And it, there's there's so much that was... I mean, you look at, like, Event 201 and... Uh, I could go you know, all day on Event 201. I was, yeah. I was talking to Monica and Brad about that, and I was talking about Gematria because I actually, before I even uh, got into, like, really the truth community... I found Zachary K. Hubbard. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he does Gematria. And um, I found him back in like 2016 because I was looking up like a Packers-Bears preview and I found his video and he's like, the Packers are going to win because they have these numbers associated with their name. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, I, It just went totally over my head. I found him a couple years later because he was on Tinfoil Hat. I'm like, oh, I remember this guy. And then so I listened to that episode and it blew my fucking mind. And then... Uh, I would, then I just started going deep down the Gematria rabbit hole, and then, like, you look at Event 201, and 201 is associated with the Jesuits, because Jorge Mario Bregoglio equals 201 in Gematria, and he lives in Suite 201, and, uh... Pandemic equals 65, and it was 65 days before Melinda Gates' 65th birthday, and they predicted 65 million people would die, and also Bill and Melinda Gates got married... 
38 or 65 days after Bill Gates' 38th birthday and pandemic equals 65 and 38. And you start looking at all these things and it's just like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, like all of these numbers and uh, things with event 201. And uh, have you heard of Clade X? No. Clade X was another pandemic si- uh, simulation put on by Johns Hopkins University. And that was exactly 666 days before March 11th when they declared it a pandemic. And I'm sure you've seen all the 666 things with HR 6666 yeah. and um, the patent. Isn't it crazy just how obvious they make it? Like, out of all the numbers, like, you don't <laughs> right? think anybody's going to look at this? And the thing is, it's 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 mind-boggling how much, like, when people think conspiracy theorists, they assume, like, oh, it's all this, like, you have to find some, like, you know, grainy video of some, like, you know, uh, recorded, you know, private conversation. It's like, dude, a lot of times they're just talking openly about it. I mean, Event 201, anybody can go look up that. You could find the highlight reel on YouTube. (laughs) What? You know, and it's the same thing with, like, the console foreign relations when you look at, like, you know, what people say during um, those uh, conferences and whatnot. Like, you look at, like, Brzezinski and, like, the Grand Chessboard. I mean, all these books that they also write that, like, kind of talk about, you know, the the future of uh, geopolitics and how they control the world. You look at PNAC and and um, and nine eleven and, 9/11 and yep. you know the the project for New American Century and and all those things that came true. Operation uh, Northwoods. Yeah, well, Operation Northwoods. I mean, it just it, it boggles my mind because it's like, well, Operation Northwoods was declassified afterwards. You know, yep. but, you know, Joe Rogan has said this, and it's so true. Like, if that was never declassified, it would just be a conspiracy theory that Ryan and Ricky are talking about that there's no proof to. And yeah, I, like the U.S. would really. Um, you know, uh, do a false flag event to try to take over Cuba. Well, you know, and it's like, it, it's it boggles my mind how much like becomes becomes true, and yet people are still like, when you talk about the next one, they're like, nah, but you're wrong about this one. This is a conspiracy theory. It's like that you said about this and that and this and that, and you have to get to a point where like probably you are and where I have been for a long time, that nothing seems too crazy to believe because I, there's been so many things that. From the outside looking in, if I was 17, 16, 21, and I was looking at it, I'd be like, oh, that seems a little too crazy. Oh, that's, and then you're like, wait, there's some truth there. Wait, like there's actually something going on here. I mean, I remember having uh, the Franklin Scandal guy, uh, Nick Bryan, on my show yep. who, uh, who wrote the book and talking about Epstein briefly on that show. And it was something that we kind of all knew in, in the main, or in the alternative media, and nobody in the mainstream media was aware of it. And he was just this – I mean, if I brought up Epstein at that time – Nobody would know what a fuck Jeffrey Epstein is, you know, and and now it's a household name. And it was like if you're talking about the elite, you know, people that the average person, the most normie of person, they're like, yeah, people, you know, celebrities, politicians, people that you see on TV all the time. Those people are linked to a human trafficker, you know, somebody who's linked to Mossad, somebody who's linked to the CIA, somebody who is, uh, you know, uh, just the most evil of evil people. Um and, and this guy's linked to all these people that you love and adore, people would look at you like you're crazy. And then it becomes public. And it's like, holy shit, like we're openly talking about human trafficking and, and pedophilia and all this stuff. It's like people in alternative media have been talking about this forever. And it just seemed like the craziest. I mean, it really does sound like the craziest of conspiracy theories because what's more evil? What's, you know, possibly the worst thing you can think of? It's child trafficking and human trafficking. So it's like to think that that came true, then like if that's possible, all this other stuff is, is, you know, easy to believe. I mean, mobsters have killed each other 
for much less. And when you think like somebody took somebody out for political reasons, and that seems hard to believe. Like when people talk about the WikiLeaks guy, um, no, I'm having a brain fart. Uh, Seth uh, Rich. Uh, yeah, Seth Rich, and people are like, oh, that's that sounds crazy. I'm like, gangsters, mobsters, uh, other organized crime organizations have killed each other and taken people out for much, much less because you haven't paid a fee or because you're you're at the you know you're hanging out the wrong corner. Like, so when you're talking when about trillions of dollars are on the table, exactly. you you don't think that someone's gonna have to do something about it? Maybe or like uh, Raytheon. You really don't think that they're gonna be in the government's or like pay all of these uh, congressmen and women under the table and be like, here's five hundred thousand dollars. If another war comes around, vote for it. Or you know, we'll, exactly. we got we got a spot for you on our board when you're done with your political career and all of these promises. So then, when the war comes around, and they all vote for it, and that's another thing with the. Uh, uh, which I was super disappointed about, but I mean, like, uh, I expected it. Like, the uh, the BDS thing that they uh, put up to a vote between, like, the Palestinians and Israel and stuff like that, and it was, like, what, 360 people voted uh, to make, or, like, were anti-BDS, and then only nine people voted for it? I'm just like, what the hell? And then you realize, like, when someone becomes a politician, the very first call that they get, or one of the first calls they get is from APAC, the American-Israeli Political Action Committee. And they're like, hey, how you doing? Like, you should vote for our interests. And they're so powerful. Well, and you know that Alex Jones has gotten a lot of shit for, for that because it's like that's the one issue he would always tiptoe around, you know, was like, you know, well, can, can we talk about Israel here and like their influence and Zionism? And it's like he kind of, you know, but he would talk about geopolitics, you know, and I wonder how much of that was influenced by being a Christian and and maybe, um, you know, obviously a long war between the Christians and the Muslims. And when you're talking about, um, you know, the Middle East you're, you're just, maybe you side more with the, the, the Jewish tribe in, instead of uh, the, the Muslim tribes. And uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it is, you know, but it, it does seem like, you know, it, some of the alternative media world, um, some of them would go hard on Israel. You know, you got the Ryan Dawson's that like Adam Green thing is it. Yeah, Evan Green and literally like everything is Israel, which I don't you know, I don't subscribe to that either. Uh, and then you have, um, you know, I was interviewed on uh, Ernest Hancock's show and uh, what was his name? Harry Vox or somebody? Yes, yeah. Harry Vox. He talked about lockstep back in 2014. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. He was on right after me, and uh, and when he was coming on, uh, he saw like a guitar that I have in the back that he also had. So we start talking about music, and uh, and I'm like, oh, I, I know his name. I've been, you know, I, I, it's come up a few times. I'm like, and then uh, Ernest's like, hey, you want to hang out a, a little bit longer? Because me and Harry were were uh, chit chatting. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll stay on for his segment. Well, I'll bullshit with you guys. And then he just went on this, like, new rant. Where yeah. Like, he's, he's just, like, getting all upset. And, like, everything are – and I was like, yeah, but Harry, I'm like, it's not that simple. Like, I don't think you could just blame – I'm like, there's no evidence that they are the – like, like if you follow every conspiracy and you find out who's, like, the top of the ladder, it's just the Jews. Like, I don't think it's that simple. You know, yeah. it's a lot of moving parts. It's a lot of, uh, you know, d- different uh, people who have different interests, too. You know, I think that there is, like – um, some type of global elite that come together because they have the same interests. It's no different than like 
know, a company will work with another company because, you know, it benefits them, you know, um, it's the same thing with like all these, you know, they might in some cases have different goals and different and push against each other. And other times they'll work together because they, they have a similar goal. I don't, you know, I just, I haven't figured that out quite yet. You know, um, who's on the top of the ladder and if it is like a, for sure, a small group of people who are at the top of the ladder, but you get, you know, I, I just don't think there's enough evidence. So it's the thing is like when, when somebody completely tiptoes around um, blaming, uh, you know, Zionism for anything, or you go in the other, you know, direction where like literally they are the root of all evil, they are, you know, um, all roads lead to them. It's like, ah, I don't think either one of you guys are right, you know? Yeah. And uh, so, uh, you know, but you're right, but there is a lot. APAC has huge influence, and it, I mean, look at like our relationship with uh with Israel. I mean, it caused it, it it caused a lot of our issues with Iran. You know, I mean, you look at like uh, there's a great documentary by Frontlines, uh, PBS Frontlines, and they've done actually weirdly enough they've done some awful documentaries. And they've done some really good ones, like uh, the United States of Secrets. It's a great one if you haven't seen that one. It's really really good about uh the NSA and Snowden and Thomas Drake and. Uh, that whole story, it's actually... I have, I have some questions about Snowden. I'll be completely honest about that, man. I Like, I saw well, that... you're not the only one. As you know, like, a lot of people in alternative media are very skeptical of it. Oh, yeah, no, so am I. And, and you know, some people even get into uh, Julian Assange, like Monica Perez. You know, she, she talks about Julian Assange all the time, that he's kind of like a honeypot. You know, people come to him with... Uh, with their information and then he can suppress it and they sign like a legally binding document where they can't take that any anywhere else or else they get sued or something like that so he, yeah, he has do, is there any evidence that people actually so if you go to julian assange and he decides to suppress it i'm assuming you'd have other copies of it other uh you know you wouldn't give them the only copy of it if it's data or papers or whatnot um nobody I, I don't know of anybody who's come out and said like, "Hey, I've given stuff to WikiLeaks," and they screwed me and, over. Yeah, no, yeah. I've never heard that either. But I mean, Monica does make a good point where um, there it, that situation is in place to happen with that with that kind of um, legally binding agreement taking place. Um, but yeah, you're right, man. I mean, I've never heard any any story like that. But I mean, Snowden. I mean, he. So what's your theory on Snowden? What, what do you what do you think? Like what makes you uh, a little weary? Of I, his, uh, I listened story? to that Joe Rogan podcast and he was so full of shit. He was saying that there's no chemtrails and dude, if you watch the documentary Frankenskies and you even listen to the people in government that are talking about, yeah, you know, we're gonna have to do aerosol injections and like all this stuff, it's like, well, they've they've admitted it. He's like, guys, I've I've looked into the chemtrail theory. There's nothing there. I'm like, bullshit, dude. I'm like, it's a hundred percent provable fact that since the Vietnam days, we were spraying in the skies to make it rain a bunch. I'm like, that's. So right there, I was just like, "All right, this guy's a bullshitter." And then, yeah, but is it is but is it possible, right? And uh, that because I know people, for example, right, Dennis McKenna. I you know I've talked about the Joe Biden deal. Yeah, yeah. This guy, if you talk to him about plant medicines and the issues with big pharma and so on, this one, you know, on that specific issue, or even all those issues, you know, if you look at his first appearance on my show, we did a whole, I don't know, hour and a half, whatever it was, and we talked about, I mean, it was all bashing big pharma and and the benefits of plant medicines and all that stuff, and um, and and then 
you know, he seems like, okay, he understands like how corruption works. He understands. And then you talk to him about politics and it's like, he thinks corruption just disappears. Like all of a sudden it's like, there's no corruption here. I believe in Joe Biden. I think Trump is evil. And it's like, no, no, you've been tricked. You've been tricked into believing this, this whole storyline actually exists where like this guy, there's a good and there's an evil and you, you know, you have to uh, choose uh, Biden to save the world from, from uh, orange man. So it's just like one of those things where just like, you know, some people, uh, it, it's weird. Like, you can get, like, they they have, like, certain topics where they, like, they understand, like, okay, this is possible. Um, yeah, there's corruption there. And then you talk, I mean, vaccines is another perfect example where you talk to somebody about big pharma and they'll admit that, like, oh, yeah, remember the Prozac uh, in the 90s? All those people that are taking Prozac, anti-depression of uh, medicine that was actually causing people to be suicidal and violent and actually in some cases uh, like killed their loved ones that study um, with crabs was, I don't know if you've ever seen the Prozac study with crabs where crabs were 80% more likely if, if they put Prozac in the water to exhibit suicidal behavior you know going out in front of predators that would normally stomp them and it was like an 80% uh, correlation that they found with crabs and Prozac in the water. That is wild. Yeah. And, but, and, but, no, oh, go so ahead. Do you think that, no, no, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, I was going to say, but isn't so, um, isn't it possible that in regards to tech, because that's his expertise and he understands that and he was in that world, uh, he can, you know, it's so obvious that he can't deny what was going on there, but, you know something else like you know chemtrails or something else uh it, it's been so pigeonholed where like most people haven't even looked into it where they just like okay the mainstream media already understands like oh yeah vaccines don't cause autism chemtrails is bullshit um like there's certain things that like it just you're brainwashed into believing it's true or yeah. untrue without ever looking into it at all so is it possible that he might be doing some good in regards to like exposing a, yeah, I, I've heard a lot of people in alternative media say, well, yeah, he's exposing uh, stuff that we already know. Well, some of us already know, but Joe Rogan has a huge platform, yeah. and th he, they talked about a lot of stuff that might be new to some people. So it's like if he was working for you know the other side, uh, not the people, then wouldn't he also be doing a lot of harm by um, basically kind of giving some, uh, I, I guess – making it credible making all those people that said that hey big tech is doing this big tech is doing that like making them credible but that's the thing more. that's the thing that he's opened the doorway for and like i i'll probably mess up the details because i did this research right after that podcast because i like after listening to it it wasn't just the chemtrails it was multiple things that he was going off on that said like oh it's baseless like that's not tr true but you know the nsa and then you start doing this research and you find out like, oh, well, there's murmurs that actually Snowden was CIA and he was an NSA, uh, he implant, he was implanted into the NSA to kind of like take them down. And you look at this thing is like, oh, there's this NSA and CIA feud. And also Edward Snowden was exposing the NSA. But I think if I remember correctly, only 22 people in the NSA had information to where they could tap our phones and uh, look at us through our uh, cameras and stuff like that. But actually, Edward Snowden was supporting a bill um, 
that would actually outsource that ability to tech companies and stuff like that. So it, was, it would actually be in the hands of thousands of people instead of only in the hands of these 22. Now, I don't think any 22 or thousands, none of them, not a single person should have that ability because, you know, he also talks about how in the NSA, dudes would spy on their ex-girlfriends and watch them undress and like creepy, horrible shit like that. But, you know, he want, he was supporting a bill that would outsource this to big tech and then they would it would be in the hands of thousands of more people so it was kind of like a bait and switch scenario where he was exposing the nsa but then supporting something to where it would it would make big tech companies um accessible to this kind of data and overreach and so that's where i thought the psyop came with edward snowden it's like oh okay he wanted to expose the nsa so it could be outsourced to the social media companies Gotcha. And what do you what do we find with Snapchat, man? All these filters that they're putting on. I mean, like they've got to be harvesting some kind of facial recognition. And with the Apple, you got to unlock your phone with your face and all that stuff. I mean, it, is it not already happening? Well, you think about like just Facebook, how, how life log like, facial. Yeah, well, yeah. that too. But like the facial recognition on on uh, on Facebook, like it, it's so good. And they're just a social media, you know, uh, company. Think about like what the NSA has, or what the government has, or or whatever. I mean, by the time Facebook was using it publicly, who knows one how long they were using it, and two, uh, you know, how far advanced, you know, the the, the intelligence. Uh, uh, well, Google's are. military intelligence. I mean, yeah. they they have a lot of military applications, and so. You know, when you say, like, what does the government have? I mean, like, well, Facebook, in my mind, is the government. You know, I, I, they're yeah, probably CIA-funded and everything like that. So, um, yeah, man. Yeah, they're I, definitely I, working together. I mean, without if you're if you're the government and you know the power that uh, the NSA – and I, Corbett did a, a documentary. I can't remember what it was, uh, what, what it's called, but it was, like, Silicon Valley something – um, all about like the history of Silicon Valley and, and the links between uh, the agencies and and also uh, the, you know these companies how they got started how they got funding in many cases and um, so yeah I mean but even if you believe that okay they they were organically organized and put together and it was just people with a vision or whatnot even if that's all true if you're the government and you realize the type of influence you can have the type of um, just how you can change the way people think and 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 that's the other thing too like all the uh, psychological uh, research they do the hiring of psychologists scientists um, all the studies that they do to understand how to manipulate people uh, that can't be only for social media use or for just profit use that has to be for some other motive and and even if it's not you have to assume if you're the CIA if you're the government you're gonna want to get some of that information and use some of that information and work hand in hand with them because that's crucial information when you're talking about a, a election where you can possibly have you know uh be in charge of the most powerful country in the world okay have uh tons of access to different resources have the ability to do favors um you know to so many people all over the world have really really powerful people come to you um for uh, for, for help with, did you hear that? That was my computer, sorry. No, I didn't hear and, uh, anything. Okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> some, I just said like, 
check, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a virus software or something like that, but I heard a ding and I just oh, hoping you didn't hear it. But no. you have all this, this influence uh, all over the world. Um, then, you know, you'll go to any means to, to, to get that, to get that power, to get, to, to win that election. And if that means working with the big tech, if that means work, that's like the social dilemma, right? I mean, did you watch that documentary? It's no, I actually had um, one of my sister's friends reach out to me because I uh, I was telling him about you know Project Bluebeam and how there could be a fake alien invasion and um, you know he texted me. He's like, "Hey, you should watch the Social Dilemma on Netflix. I think you'd really like it." But after hearing you and other people talk about it, I'm just like. Oh, because it was just a massive smear campaign, I, from what I gather, about conspiracies. Well, initially it wasn't. So that's how they It started it, off right? good, from what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so like the first 30 minutes, like, yeah, this is good shit. Like, they have actual people worked at Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest and all this stuff, and they're explaining to you how they manipulate you and how they get you to keep clicking and all the, uh, you know, psychology that goes into it and how they're purposely tricking you and... And getting making you addictive, and then they go into some like big fucking PizzaGate thing where they're just like, oh, and and you know, the, it, like they were using it as a example of like how fake news travels faster than real news. And it's like, well, what the fuck are you deciding is fake news? Because I mean, I'm sure you've seen inter- interviews with Zach Voorhees, and a lot of people know Zach Voorhees uh, well. Um, you know, you you look at what he says, you look at uh, uh what I mean, just evidence from like you know uh, Dr. Susan Dowd. Uh, who did the big secret documentary, uh, pulled off Amazon Prime. Dell Big Tree's Vax documentary pulled off Amazon Prime. I believe Dr. Brzezinski's documentary, uh, all these people have been on my show, and, and, and pulled off uh, uh, um, Amazon Prime. I got flagged for a bunch of shit this weekend because I knew it was a matter of, uh, after I put the, I'm like, dude, what a bad timing to get Mickey Willis on my show. The most censored documentary of all time uh, and his, his interviews were censored everywhere. And oh, that's like, something you got to be thinking about now, man. I mean, your YouTube channel is prime for being deleted. Well, yeah, yeah. That's definitely something I've, I've thought about a lot lately. Uh, you know, the thing is, like, I, and I'm sure you've heard me say this, where because I don't attempt – if you age-restrict your videos, it, it really hurts you in regards to uh, be, the video being suggested and views and all that stuff. But – I also don't have to deal with any of the headaches of like something being flagged as often or whatnot, you know. Yeah. So people who find it seem to be people who actually wanted to find it, and uh, so it, you know. And I don't have marketers. I don't. I've never monetized on YouTube. I have no commercials. I've never taken a penny off YouTube because I've always seen that as like one of those platforms. I'm like, this isn't gonna last long. They seem way too PC. I, I you know, I don't want um, to try to monetize uh, with them or whatnot. So I figured I could go kind of under the radar. Uh, kind of age restricting my stuff not saying it's for children um, 18 plus so uh, chances are I think you have to you know be signed in to see it uh, never monetize from it but Mickey Willis with all this you know everybody being kicked off YouTube of, of late it seems like they're, they're kind of doing it again you had Red Pill 78 kicked off recently He's really on my show yeah he was actually you know it's funny I was supposed to talk to Red Pill 78 the same day I was supposed to talk to you um, I, I had two interviews that day I had uh, mine with you, and then I, I was going to talk to Red Pill, and um, and then I lost power, and now I'm I'm kind of glad that we had to postpone it because I I'm, I have to reschedule with him, uh, 
because now he's off YouTube, and now we can talk about that, and that's a, a huge, huge issue. Yeah. I mean, this guy, he had a huge plan. I mean, he's legit a YouTuber. I'm not a YouTuber. I'm a podcaster who happens to also be on YouTube, but he's a YouTuber. His whole, Most of his listeners, if not all of them, are on YouTube. Uh, so to lose that, that's ginormous, you know, and uh, so it, it's, uh, you know, they knock him out. So all this stuff is going on. And then, you know, I hear about the last uh, American Vagabond today from Whitney. Ugh. And I'm just, uh, you know, Whitney Webb said that uh, Ryan got locked out of all his Google accounts, can't even get to anything or whatnot. And um, and then I'm like, fuck, man. And this is the time I decided to upload an interview Me. with Mickey Willis. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and so this weekend, so it was uploaded. And I remember I was telling Charlie and Sam and all these guys, I'm like, dude, I don't know what's going to happen. I wonder if I'm going to get kicked off now that I'm, I'm uploading this. Because I'm not even being shy about it. I'm not, like, decoding his name. I'm just like, this is Mickey Willis, pandemic documentary filmmaker. Watch it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so uh, I'm not even being, you know, trying to be, you know, be secretive about uploading this. I'm just like, let's see what fucking happens. I'm like, if I get knocked off YouTube, I get off knock, uh, knocked off YouTube. Uh, I'm not going to play these silly games of, like, oh, let me try to hide his name by using, you know, ones and... That's exactly eyes. how I feel, man. Like, I just want to talk about the topics. If I get if I get kicked off, I get kicked off. Like, I've already experienced, you know, in, in like my limited experience with YouTube. You know, I put up, uh, I put up my coronavirus um, expose, and it was um, case closed, uh, the techno tyranny exposed, or something something like that. I can't remember the title right now, but. I put it up. It was up for five and a half hours before it was taken down. I'm like, yo, because I think I was actually getting a good amount of traffic to it because I had, I had, uh, I had uh, posted it or I had sent it to Tinfoil Hat and I had sent it to Jay Dyer and a couple other places and they put it on their stories. And then so I got like a wave of people checking it out and then five hours into it being posted, it got taken off. I'm just like, God damn it. I'm like, it wasn't even up for 12 hours. Like, if you started it, you were barely able to finish it before it was wiped off YouTube. And so, you know, I put it on uh, BitChute and places like that. But, I mean, that's not going to hardly get any traffic. I mean, I think it has like 90 views. And I'm not... And why I started this podcast is so I could talk to people like you and Monica and Brad. Because, like, I mean, dude, when I listen to your podcast and you're like... You'll have a long-winded um, – uh, you, you just go for a while and you're just like, ah, I should have a question. It's like I'm thinking to myself, I'm like I would I would be right after that with something to say. Like I, I don't need a cute question. I'll, I'll just start going. And then, you know, I, Monica and Brad, like I admire them so much. I think they're some of the best researchers out there and they're just sharp as a tack. So I'm like I, I just want to talk to these people and get my feelings out there. And that's why I made the – um, coronavirus expose because I just had to get it off my chest and then you know yeah, right right after I make it you know they come out with a 94% number and some like really good information I'm like fuck I wish I had that in the podcast but I mean I had a, I had a lot of really good stuff uh, in it anyway yeah I did that Ricky's rant uh, I did one uh, podcast during the lockdown same thing like I'm like I had a bunch of uh, guests that, like, right at the beginning of the lockdown, that were scheduled to talk about other stuff. Like, one was Gerard Williams, who wrote uh, The Escape of Adolf Hitler. Um, Gray Wolf, The Escape of Adolf Hitler. Great. I mean, I had him on years ago, years ago. And then I rescheduled him that, for him to come back on. And then guests like him were like, hey, 
we're in the middle of uh, this this whole thing. Like, I don't know if anybody wants to hear us talk about World War II and Hitler. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Maybe we'll reschedule. So I was having all these guests kind of like, you know, say, hey, let's wait, let's wait, let's see this out, let's see what's going on. And then um, I'm like getting so frustrated, like doing research and listening to people I like and, and, and just, you know, uncovering all this information. I'm like, dude, I got to fucking get this off my chest. So I, it was the only time I did a solo podcast and I, you know, it's um, called Ricky's Rants. Uh, and I, I was just so angry that it was actually kind of easy. I'm like, I can't do this all the time. I've attempted actually years ago to like, I'm like, let me just see if I can record a solo podcast. I had like a giant hole in my schedule and I'm like, you know what? Let me give the, the listeners some content. I'm like, let me just, you know, record and see what happens. And I'm like five minutes and I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. I'm like, maybe I should say this. Maybe I should. And I'm like, this fucking sucks. I'm like, it's so easy. <laughs> just like, you know, when you're talking to somebody, it's so easy. And then it felt like work. And I'm like, ah, oh, I don't like this. You know, yeah. but at that, at that moment, because we were so, or at least for myself, and I'm probably similar to, to, to your experience, I was so upset, and there was so much I wanted to say that it, it was the first time it was easy, and it was just like, I could just talk, because I was just like, there's all this built-up frustration, and I just had to get it out, and I find that with podcasters in general, it seems like in the beginning, a little bit of, uh, like you said, uh, you start, and if you go back to um, like my early stuff, which I hope nobody ever does. <laughs> I, I, I do have some gems out. I, I will say, like my Dr. Brzezinski uh, episode, I really loved. It was a real early one. The um, uh, Abraham Bolden, who was the first uh, Black Secret Service agent on a presidential detail, and also kind of like a JFK whistleblower. That episode, uh, the Rick Ross episode, uh, some of the early Roger Stone episodes. Um, some of those episodes I really loved, but. Uh, I, I sucked, I, or at least I'm like really, I, at least I feel like I sucked, you know, like I, I feel like in some cases sometimes um, I, I w- because you do all this research and you haven't podcasted before and you haven't had a platform to get out what's on your chest, sometimes I felt like I, instead of focusing more on what the guests had to say, I was more focused, I, I, I shouldn't say I was more focused, but I dominated a, a little bit of the conversation because I'm like, Oh, dude, I got all this frustration. Yeah, yeah, I'm fucking passionate about this too. I want to talk about this shit. I want to say it to let you know how angry I am or all this research and get this information out there. Um, and then that goes away a little bit. You know, I think in time you're like, okay, I've said a lot of this shit that I, I wanted to say on the show and, and I don't want to repeat myself. So then you focus more on like the, the, the guest. And then something like the COVID thing happens and you're like, you're all worked up again. And now all of a sudden you have like this new passion. You have this new... A motivation. You're you have this 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 topic that can really um, work you up, and and you're so passionate about. It and you feel like it's so important that I kind of get that feeling again, where it's just like it's, it's this topic. It's really easy for me to go on long rants about because I've I've gone really deep into that rabbit hole. I've talked to so many people. I've read so many articles. I've looked at so many videos uh, that. It just like when you start talking about it, just all like you don't even know where to start. You just want to talk about it uh, about all of it, and um and and really, this is one of those issues that it just like it affects us all so personally that it, it you can't help but get upset about it. When and you, you know, just want to like grab your friends and shake them, and be like, how have you like how have you not been able to see it after everything that's come out, like. 50 to 80% false positives. 94% of people died with at least three other comorbidities. Uh, 
study from Stanford said one in 19.1 million chance of actually dying from coronavirus. Like it's statistically almost impossible to die from this thing. How are we still in this paradigm? And, and then people are just like, I know someone that had it. It's like, oh, like that just completely invalidates what I just said. Well, that's the thing. Like, oh, I know someone that had, but it's like, but I'm telling you that there's false positives. I'm telling you that hospitals have, I mean, I had Dr. Scott Jensen on. I don't know if you listened yep, to that I interview. Yep, I did. Yeah, I mean, you, there, there's there's doctors coming out saying, yeah, we hospitals had incentives in lying about what was killing people. I mean, you had Dr. Burks during a press conference say, we're being very, you know, uh, liberal with these uh, these counts and we're counting people with the virus and by the virus uh, as the same thing. I mean, they're coming out and openly saying this and it's kind of like what we talked about before. Like sometimes you don't have to go down some scary rabbit hole. Like it's just out there. You just have to open your eyes and, and, and just pay attention. And if you pay attention, you're like, holy shit, like they're lying to us to our face. Like there's stuff going on like right in front of us and we're still denying it. And so, yeah, I mean, it just, it boggles my mind. I mean, I think now it's become more and more obvious that most people's stance, like I think at the height of the lockdown, some of the people I was arguing with or, or fighting with online and um, and trying to get through to them, like they were motivated by fear. I think they were scared. And I think that was one of the reasons why they were, were resisting because they didn't, They maybe they believe that like, dude, Ricky's telling people not to worry and fucking people are dying. And like, you know, his, his opinion can be harmful because, you know, people can go out there and get sick and die or whatever. But now it's not about that. Like if anybody who disagrees with me on anything in regards to the coronavirus, it, it's all politically motivated. The only reason you disagree with me, the reason, the only reason you're, you're still saying masks are important. We should be wearing them. The only reason you're saying that we, you know, locking down the country uh, was the right move and we should have done it longer and whatnot it's all because your political party is also saying the same thing. I mean, that's all though, you know, it's, it has nothing to do with like fear anymore, you know? And, and I'm convinced of that. I don't know anybody who is still acting like, you know, Trump should have took the virus more seriously, who is saying that because they thought the virus was actually scary. It's more because that's what their political party keeps saying. So that's what they're repeating. They're saying, Hey, you know, our political party keeps saying that he should have took it more seriously. He opened up the country too soon. He kept, he he wasn't uh, listening to the doctors. So that's all the same stuff they're regurgitating. And um, it, it just it's unfortunate because many of us who are now, I mean, I found myself the other day thinking about. It, I'm like, fuck, man. I'm like, I can't get people on the left to come on my show quite as easy as I can people on the right. Like, I feel like I could contact anybody on the right. And I'm like, yeah, I'll come, I'll come talk to you. You know, and people on the left, like, there's, uh, you know, I, I'm. Still can't get Abby Martin on my show. You know, I don't know. Oh, and I love is. her. She's so good. I, me too. You know what's crazy? Have I've you had Robbie on, on? A bunch of times. Oh, okay. He's been on so many times. I actually had Robbie on on a swap cast, and uh, I had him on on a swap cast um, during the lockdown. I'm like, I want to gather a couple people from um, alternative media. I think it was Robbie, Jeffrey Wilson, uh, and I, maybe it was Charlie and Sam. I don't know. It was a, a swap cast. That I put together, and I'm like, hey guys, let's come together. Let's talk about what we're researching, what our opinions on shit. And um, and I don't, you know, I listened to a couple media roots uh, uh, podcasts afterwards, and I'm like, Robbie was way less agreeing with us than maybe he let us know on that swapcast. I think he, was, oh yeah, but he's he was always super polite about it. But then you hear about like he was polite, and it seemed like he was like he was open to stuff that we we're saying, and then. You hear him on media roots, and you're like, hmm. I'm like, I think he's he disagreed with us way more than maybe he was letting well, us Well, and he know. went on Jason Burmes' uh, show, and he was saying that 
in the beginning, he was so scared. He was wiping yeah. down his produce and like sanitizing his food. I'm like, Robbie, what are you doing? Well, did you see? Did you see that little? I don't know if people picked up on this, but our last union of the unwanted. So I've been working on getting Christopher Ryan on a union of unwanted for a while. And did you pick up on? Did you watch the video of the last union of the? Unwanted? I didn't watch the video. I listened to it on a podcast. You listen. Okay, so for people who are listening, they might not have picked up on this. Here's a little insight secret. So. Chris Ryan, and I don't know if I, still, I, I haven't talked about this uh, uh, anywhere yet. So Chris Ryan, uh, he initially agreed to come on the podcast. And I, I let all my Patreon supporters know kind of what's going on behind the scenes. And I let them know, hey, you know, I booked this person for the show. I, hey, uh, you know, this person I convinced to come on uh, the Union Unwanted. So he was one of the guests that I actually had scheduled for the last Union of the Unwanted. And um, so I, you know, I scheduled him like soon after the previous one the one before that so it was like a two-week period and i'm i'm like hey in a couple weeks we're doing this i'm like here's some info about the union unwanted what i'm doing what i'm attempting to do the people have been on all this stuff yeah yeah that sounds cool i'm, I'm down i'm like oh fucking awesome you know i'm like chris ryan shared on patreon i let sam know and charlie and i'm like hey guys i'm fucking you know i'm killing it with this booking thing i'm like i'm getting so many cool people on on the show and then like i threw him a little reminder i don't know if some days in advance or maybe um, a week in advance, I'm like, hey, just remind you that, like, hey, it's coming up. It's going to be Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. And he's like, uh, yeah, I don't. I, I listened to a couple episodes. I don't think I want to, uh, you know, come on. And I'm like, oh no. Hey. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck, man. So then I'm like, you know, I, I I pondered on it for a little bit. And I'm like, dude, I think I think he, if he listened to Union of Unwanted, I'm like, he might just be hearing like tons of people on the on the right, Trump supporters, and he might think this is just like a giant echo chamber of Trump supporters. I'm like, so I wrote him like a, 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 a email and I'm like, listen, I'm like, uh, Chris, I'm like, you've been on my show. I'm like, Dennis McKenna has been on my show. Greg Palace has been on my show uh, as a solo um, uh, guest. You know, this was before he was on the Union of the Unwanted. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm like, you know, and I was going on the, the, just down, you know, Robbie Martin, Abby's uh, brother has been on a bunch of times. Uh, Professor uh, Richard Wolf. Who, who uh, you know, is a Marxist scholar. Can't go further uh, left than that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and I'm like, I'm like, this isn't an echo chamber. I'm like, I'm not trying to. I'm like, I'm not trying to have people on, who, you know, just uh, you know, who disagree with me, so we can all just repeat the same shit. I'm like, I want to have interesting discussions. So I, and I think I got through to him, right? Eventually, I got through to him, and then he agreed to come on again, right? So he, I'm like, yes. I'm like, this is awesome, you know. So, uh. Prior to starting the live stream, you know, people are showing up, and I'm like, you know, throwing them into the Zoom conference call. And Chris is one of the ones that showed up. I'm like, oh my god, he actually fucking showed up. I'm like, this is awesome. So we go, I go live, and like two seconds into going live, he just clicks out, and I'm like, what the fuck? So if you watch the video, the bottom square is, and it's, you know, it's funny because I almost cut that part out uh, of uh, the video. I'm like, oh, when I, uh, I'm like, maybe. Well, I'll just cut it out. I'm like, you know what? I want people to know that I'm like, I actually made an attempt. And all my Patreon supporters, I'm not a liar. I actually did get him booked. And I'm like, he showed up. And then he, uh, and you know what's funny? I, I didn't know. The reason I was so surprised he was going to show up, because literally that same Monday, um, this uh, uh, last Union Unwanted, that day he released an episode on his uh, podcast, and gently speaking, saying, where, I think it's like, wear your fucking mask or wear your mask or something like that. And I'm just like, I'm like, I'm like, this is gonna be interesting. Here's something that's, and I actually listened to it that, that day. Um, I was, I listened to like half of it while I was kind of, um, 
I was writing emails and, and sending Zoom links. I was like listening to uh, that uh, podcast, and I'm like, I'm like, well, this is going to be interesting today if he shows up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, but I, I honestly thought this was it was going to be a great opportunity because I'm like, I'm going to have Greg Palace on, who's also on the left. You know, uh, he he leans left. I mean, he just wrote a book called you know how Donald Trump stole you know 2020 uh-huh. uh, 2020 election, and then I'm also going to have Scott Horton on, which. Even though he's a libertarian, I don't, if you listen to his appearance on my show when um, during the lockdown, we completely disagreed on yep. the coronavirus on we almost actually, everything. But it was actually a really good conversation because I mean, it was just like two dudes respectfully disagreeing and honoring exactly. each other's opinion. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's exactly what happened. And I, it's funny you say that because a lot of people gave me like tons of positive feedback on that. Where a lot of people gave me. Well, didn't give me positive, uh, uh, negative feedback. Actually, in some cases, I think I did. I think I saw like a review somewhere where they're like, uh, "This Greg Palace guy is is a, a crazy lefty or something like that." And I'm like, "Why the fuck are you giving me a one star review?" I'm like, I don't, <laughs> "I'm like, I'm like, go to a, does he have his a book?" I'm like, "Go to his book and and, and give him one." I'm like, "Why?" I'm like, "I'm open to to people." Oh, like, you're reading the reviews, man. That sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> it's funny because I I don't. And every once in a while, like I get emails where like uh, uh, Google or somebody will send me, oh, somebody reviewed your thing or whatever. Uh, or Chartable is another one that will send me emails. And every once in a while, I accidentally open it and read it. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Same thing with like YouTube. You, YouTube uh, uh, comments, I 90% of them I don't read. But every once in a while, I'll have like a really like nice, sincere uh, comment. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, I want to like let them know, like, thanks for being so nice and thanks for liking the show. So like every once in a while I'll read one just in case it's somebody super nice and I want to just kind of let them know that I'm paying attention and thanks for the support or whatever. Uh, but yeah, so it's like it, it's just Chris Ryan just he got cold feet. You know, I end up emailing actually during the show and I'm like, hey Chris, what the fuck happened? I'm like, did I lose you? What, 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 you know, because I was having some technical difficulties that, that uh, get going live. And I'm like, did the technical difficulties? I think you actually sent that to me. <laughs> oh, you, I, yo, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Cause I end up, uh, t- uh, uh, cause I was, you know, you, you know what it was. Your name's Ryan, and I looked at the the most recent one of the most recent emails Chris Ryan. Of Ryan, and the not Chris Ryan. So I end up, you know, what's funny because it did hit me that after that, I'm like, fuck, I, I think I, you know, what's actually, this is actually really funny. I, I think first I sent it to you, and then Ryan from the last American Vagabond was also uh, on. And then I sent it to him. I think I'm like, oh, fuck, I think I sent it to the wrong Ryan. And then uh, I sent it to him. And then it was only after the third email that I'm like, oh, shit, I keep sending it to the wrong person. I'm like, let me send it to Chris. <laughs> so I sent it to Chris uh, eventually. And then Chris writes me back saying, um, like, hey, um, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I'm not a big fan of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of uh, Zoom calls. Uh, especially when it's like big crowds or whatever this and that. So I just got, you know, I, and I'm like, I'm just thinking, I'm like, yeah, but we just had a discussion about this and you said you watched the episodes, you knew what was going on. Like you knew like the platform, you you know, if you listen to the episode, you know kind of what was going on. So I don't know what gave him cold feet and uh, I'm, I'm hoping I can get him on my show. Uh, but I, you know, I, when I told him like, Hey, I apologize for like, sorry that, you know, uh, you got cold feet and you didn't participate and you didn't uh, want to be on the show. But if you want to be on my show as a solo guest, again, you know, I'm more than happy to have you on any time. And I, I haven't heard back yet, so I don't know if he's been busy or, you know, but I'm, I'm starting to get a little worried that, like, people are starting to think I'm like this, like, you know, louder with Crowder show where I just mm. have people on one side. Not that he 
he, you know, not that his show's awful. Like I like his show and he has some good guests on, but he's kind of known as a righty. He's, and I'm like, I don't want to be known as either or like, yeah. I don't want to, like, I want people to be willing to come on and regardless what side of the argument you're on. And, uh, you know, I mean, I've even hosted shows like with, uh, James Corbett and, uh, Hunter Motts from, um, who used to do uh, the Brian Callen show? He's the co-host, and also uh, Mixed Mental Arts. Uh, he was the co-host, and I really got along with Hunter. Me and him really hit it off. And James and I have always had a good relationship. So I convinced them both to come on to talk about education and and uh, that stuff. I, I had Hunter on also debate uh, Adam Kokesh. Where, uh, they did a part one, part two, which was a really uh, fun discussion. And uh, and it was just like you know, I'm like I I do it not because I'm on a team or I'm trying to make one side look bad. I do it because I'm truly exploring all perspectives, and uh, that's why even during the lockdown, when people were like, "Oh, you know, you're just like this conspiracy theory. You're this," you know, I had people accuse me of being a Q guy, and I'm like, oh. I've never done one show related <laughs> to Q. I mean, I might have had a guest on that that maybe subscribes to it, but I'm like, I've never had them on to talk about it, and if they're on, I probably. If it was brought up, it was, you know, quickly just kind of, you know, moved on to the next topic. Uh, so I'm like, well, you obviously haven't listened to my show. I mean, my show is perfect evidence that, like, you can't accuse me of being, like, a lefty or a righty or this or that. Because I'm like, I can go down the guest list and you can see, like, I've had people on, like we said, like, who are Marxists or, or, or you know, people on who are libertarians, people are on who consider themselves conservatives or, or Christians or atheists or whatever. So it's like, I, you know, you can't, you can't accuse me of being just like this person defending my team. And, um, so yeah, it, it's, a uh, it was wild. So it's it, for people listening who haven't watched the union, done wanted the last episode and, uh, and haven't picked up on that. Maybe they only listen to it. If you watch it and you pause it right, if there's a little square at the bottom of the screen, that's uh, a person who's participating in the call who just slightly disappears uh, <laughs> right before uh, right before we start talking, and that's Chris. And you'll pick you'll pick him out like in two seconds. And uh, now that you know it's there, and it's just yeah, it's a shame because it was a good episode for him to be on because we had Greg Palace, because we had uh, Scott Horton, who even though he's a libertarian, probably dis- uh, agreed more with Chris than he agreed with me mm-hmm. in regards to uh, the coronavirus uh, whole situation. It would have been he would have been outnumbered. He didn't have to worry about, or he would have been not probably outnumbered, but he wouldn't have been on his own, you know, uh, in regards to his views. He would have had some people who probably would have uh, defended him. Plus, I would have defended him because just about everything besides this coronavirus thing, I agree with him 100%. I'm a huge fan of Chris Ryan. I'm a huge fan of his book. I, as you know, I bring up Civilized to Death all the time. Yep. I love that book. Um, I bring up Sex of Dawn more often, but I'm married. Uh, so I don't want my wife to divorce me. I'm kidding. <laughs> like promoting, you know, uh, yeah, it's okay. You know, fuck monogamy. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it, it is, uh, one of those things where it just like, you know, it would have been a great episode to have him on because we would have, you know, it, it wouldn't have been so much of an echo chamber like some of the other episodes where the majority of us, and I think it, it would have sparked having some people disagree with the majority of the guests would have sparked maybe some more interesting conversation. We would have went down some rabbit holes where some of our beliefs and some of the things we've been saying can be challenged and can be, uh, you know, put put to the test. Like, hey, can you prove this, or can you really verbalize this and and explain your position on why you feel this way? I don't know if you listened to my podcast I did with uh, Lee. He, he's an author. Um, he's friends with uh, Michael Suzanne, who uh, was the the UN whistleblower for the oil for food scandal. Uh, the 
his his life was based on the document or the uh, movie uh, backstabbing for beginners. If you guys haven't watched that movie, it's a really really good movie on a true story, the biggest UN scandal in UN history, and this whistleblower uh, exposed it. He's been on my show, Michael, but he had a a friend that he's like, hey, I think this would be a good guest for your show, and uh, and I mean. I, I looked at some of his books. I didn't even go into any of his personal uh, uh, views, and I'm just like, yeah, he seems interesting. I'll have him on, and um, so and I really like Michael. So uh, I'm like, yeah, I'll have your buddy, your friend on, and so I had him on, and uh, we got we talked about art, and we talked about music, and we talked about I believe writing or whatever the hell we talked about. Basically, the, the beginning of the conversation was more about um, the writing process and 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 creative process and all that stuff. And then we got, you know, it's, it seems unavoidable. Eventually we talk about current events and uh, we completely, you know, he's just like this super artsy liberal person. And we disagreed on just about everything to do with the election and current events, but we had a really polite conversation about it. And, uh, and I'm, I like those conversations because it forces me to have to really verbalize and defend my position. And if I can't defend it, then maybe I should reanalyze it. And, and, you know, so it, I think you need that from time to time. You, I mean, as often as you can, like have people uh, around you who can have a civil discussion, who can challenge your ideas and have those debates because that's where you learn, you know, and, and I say it all the time. Like this shows a journey, not just from, you know, the listener, but it's a journey for myself. I'm, I'm constantly learning and growing and, and taking wisdom and knowledge from, um, from my, my, uh, my guests. And, uh, and so it benefits all of us, you know, so, um, it's it's a shame when I feel like people stray away from having discussions with people you disagree with. Like I'm willing to have discussion with anybody, and it's like no discussion with anybody scares me because I don't care about being right, and I don't care about sounding like an idiot. You know, I sound like one all the time. Yeah. So it's like, and, and I I'm, I don't have a team that I have to defend, you know, or a stance that I'm I'm married to or opinion I'm married to that I you know, uh, God forbid I'm wrong about, you know, it's like, to me, I don't care if I'm wrong about something. I'm, if I'm wrong about, if I find out that I'm wrong about something, it means I'm a little cl- closer to being right about it. And I'm a little closer to some type of truth. So, uh, I think people have to look at it that way. You know, the ego is a motherfucker. And I think a lot of times it's, it gets in the way of our ability to be like, yeah, no, that makes sense. You're right. You know, instead of saying that we go, well, oh, this motherfucker, he's got me on this one point, so let me figure out how I can get him on the next point. It's like, instead of having that internal conversation, we should have the internal conversation of like, okay, yeah, what he said makes a lot of sense. Let me reanalyze, reanalyze where I stand. Maybe I'm wrong, or maybe uh, I'm just doing a, be- a poor job of, of just explaining where I stand, uh, and I need to do a better job of doing that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's there's so much good that comes out of these podcasts. Listening to them being a part of them, hosting them, a long form conversation is just, it's one of the most important things I think ever. You know, I think it's like, you can almost put like, we talked about diet and long form conversation. You can have better long form conversations if you have the right diet because you can fast and there you, you eat during a, a two hour conversation. You're not like, fuck, I'm hungry. Let me finish this conversation. <laughs> um, so, the, it, it, you know, they both benefit each other, you know, in ways that we probably, uh, you know, most people don't realize. Yeah, man, and I mean, even our little, uh, you know, Edward Snowden thing earlier, you're like, well, what about that? Like, well, could it be this? Like, he has one opinion on this, but that doesn't discredit this other thing. And like that, I mean, that's so refreshing that, you know, we can have that back and forth respectfully and be like, well, you know, I think there's more to it than just that. And then like, you know, because some of my friends, man, 
I mean, you know, I start talking about, like, I think Corona, I, I go a step further than a lot of other people. And I don't think it exists at all. A after all the research that I've done and, you know, uh, a lot of these people that have researched, like, terrain theory, like, Greg Carlwood was just on Grimerica talking about that. And I completely agree with everything that he had to say. Guys like David Crow and Thomas Cowan talking about the infectious myth and exosomes and all of these things. It just makes so much more sense to me than this germ theory nonsense. And so, you know, I tell my friends who some of them uh, are nurses and stuff like that. And I tell them like Corona doesn't exist at all. PCR is completely BS test. And, you know, then I find out at um, my buddy's wedding that I'm standing in that, you know, my friends have been researching, like, has Ryan lost his mind? Like, what makes people go crazy from conspiracy theories? It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I've lost my mind because I've listened to these medical professionals who have been studying this. Like, Dr. Thomas Cowan has dedicated his life's work to, like, the electric universe and all of these other things. I'm just like... That, that means that I lost my mind because I'm listening to experts and I'm looking at the PCR test whose uh, originator, Carrie Mullis, said that it shouldn't be used as a diagnostic tool. I'm like, that makes me crazy now. And so it, it's refreshing to have these discussions because even on the previous podcast with Brad and Monica, I started talking about uh, Gematria and then... Um, Monica's like, well, you know, I, I haven't bought into that yet. It sounds really interesting. I was listening to Zach Hubbard on the Higher Side Chats, but I have a lot of questions. And I was doing my best to explain it, but it was all really respectful. And she's like, I'm not trying to offend, but I just have these questions. I'm like, no, no, no offense taken at all. And so it, it's just so refreshing to have that kind of conversation um, and have it be respe respectful and polite and, you know, they're genuinely curious. You know, they're not asking you a, a question to set you up so they can dunk on you or anything like that. Like, they they actually want to know why you think that this is uh, uh, reasonable or true and, and how it's used at a broader scale. And they, they actually want to know. They're not trying to, to set you up or anything like that. Well, that's what I love about Monica. She's not afraid to, to question her guests. Like she's she did it with uh with Mel when she had Melody on uh, not too long ago. They kind of questioned each other a little bit and kind of pushed back at each other. But those are the funnest conversations. Like I love conversations where I can see two you know really creative thinkers and and uh, and and minds going at it and really challenging their ideas and and see how they explain it and if they have a, a good uh you know well thought out opinion or if it's just something that they you know they heard one place and they kind of just seem like it makes sense and they just went along with it so i think all that's super super important i mean i you know when i had jack abramoff on my show roger stone uh i've i pushed back on some things you know i politely you know i wasn't like oh, i'm gonna get you motherfucker like it's it's like hey you know like yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. You know, my, you know, and and just, but as long as you're not, but the thing is, like, people can tell when you're trying to make them look bad, or you're sincerely just curious and you're asking questions. And I, I think most people can can tell, and uh, hopefully people can tell on on my show that a lot of times I'm just curious. I'm not trying to make anybody look bad. I'm not trying to, um, you know, uh, be right. You know, I'm I'm sure I'm wrong way more often than than I'm right. And uh, and I'm constantly evolving and changing and exploring and and uh, and I'm not married to any ideas. And, and you're not a QAnon guy. 
<laughs> like you've been accused of. Against uh, popular belief, apparently, because uh, yeah. we had a lot of QAnon people on. Uh, Anybody who genuinely listens to the show knows that you're a genuine, honest guy and that you're not QAnon. But I mean, you know, Brad Binkley talks about how in the mainstream they're painting everything and it's like QAnon now. But um, anyway, dude, I mean, I really appreciate you coming on and I, I love the conversation. I mean, l- like you've said, it just seemed so easy to talk. I mean, for the first hour and 15, we talked about diet. I mean, I had I, I had a, some questions that I wanted to ask you because I, I, I feel like sometimes you don't let us know like what you really think about a subject. So I, I, I really wanted to drill down and ask you some spirituality questions and stuff like that. But I mean, I loved our conversation. I loved how easy it was, how we went off on diet. I mean, I I had no idea we were going to talk about that, but I loved that conversation and how easy it was to talk to you, man. I mean, you're just an easygoing guy and I can sit back for 10 minutes and just let you, let you talk about whatever, whatever you want to talk about, share that thing about Chris Ryan. That was really cool. I mean, um, to be on the conspiratorial conspiring podcast first, other than anywhere else, so yeah, man, I I, I want to let you go. I know it's getting late. You gotta you gotta eat. So um, it was really cool, man, and I'm really honored that you came on. Thanks, Ryan. I really appreciate it. So your your show is it uh, up and live yet? Or are you still? Uh yeah, it, it's it's live. I post on um. Well, I'm trying to get it on Apple Podcasts right now, man. Like I said, I'm not tech savvy, and it keeps saying that my podcast artwork is too small or too big and then i i i made it fit the parameters that it has to be but it still won't go on apple Podcasts for some reason so it's on spotify and soundcloud and podbean and um youtube and BitChute right now but i'm trying i'm trying to get it on uh google and apple so are, are you using podomatic as your host or who are you i'm using podbean oh podbean okay yeah 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 so do they work with itunes directly or um, yeah, I mean, they have it set up to where it's real easy. I mean, I just click on the iTunes to like share it, but then I have to put the URL and everything and then it says everything's good except for the podcast artwork for some reason. And so I got a different uh-huh. I got a different artwork that fits and it still just won't let me for some reason. But I mean, I'll I'll figure it out. I'm sure I'm just doing something stupid on my end. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know yeah, certain platforms they want like a a bigger uh piece of artwork because it looks better on like a bigger screen or so they want a specific size or what i've had that issue with certain things i use podomatic they're they're kind of the same thing as pod beam i'm assuming where you know i just post on there and then they and distributes everywhere else yeah Yeah. so it makes your life a lot easier awesome so it is just about everywhere besides itunes and you said google play yep yep so it's it's really anywhere else so awesome yeah well a lot of people are using uh spotify now and and you know and whatnot so especially with the rogan crowd all yeah. shifting to spotify soon um when he makes it exclusive how, over there how many episodes is this um this is going to be episode number six because i believe the coronavirus was four and then prop report was five so i think this is going to be number six and i actually have another one that i'm gonna record soon because i was doing some deep diving on um this company that's censoring information and I haven't heard the propaganda report talk about it. So I'll be educating the propaganda report for once. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I, I mean, I think you, you have a awesome thing ahead of you. You got, 
you're killing it with uh, these conversations. You're, you're very similar to myself where you're easy to talk to and, and uh, you know, just very casual style, which I, I like and I think a lot of listeners like. Uh, I'm sure eventually you'll be compared to Joe Rogan a lot like uh, I'm compared <laughs> to Joe Rogan just because a lot of people like that, like casual. It's not really an interview type of show. It's more of a casual conversation type show. So, and, uh, and you obviously, you know, you're passionate about it, man. Like, uh, I'm so glad to, to meet people who are, like, not procrastinating and just doing it. You know, just just do it, put it out there. Well, I'm ashamed to say that I actually procrastinated for a long time. Like, I, I finally just had to, like, just start throwing stuff out there because I'm just like, I always wanted to do a podcast and I wanted to talk to these people. So I just got to start throwing shit at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what do you got to lose? I mean, you, you record it. Uh, one thing I, I thought about was like, okay, I record it, and uh, even if I just get something out of like attempting to put out my opinions and ideas, like it, it's just sometimes you know, you know, when people say, oh, I just need somebody to talk to. I mean, what you're really saying is like, I need to get the shit off my chest, and like a podcast is a way of doing it too. You know, you're getting some stuff off your chest. Uh, so I mean, I'm like, if nobody listens, at least I'll get some benefit in that regards. Yeah. So, so awesome. But hey, we'll we'll have to reconnect again in the near future to uh, so you can uh, maybe ask some of those questions that you didn't get to today. Uh, chances are the next show we also won't get to it. Yeah, we'll start going off about something else. <laughs> <laughs> but but thanks, Ryan. I really appreciate. It. Keep up the great work, and uh, if I can help in any way, let me know, and uh, we'll hopefully we we'll keep in touch. All right, man. I'll let you know right now. If I hit this, <laughs> if I end this, if I hit the red end the call button, will it also end the recording and save it? Yeah. So what's gonna happen is like once we hit the the end call thing. You've seen the top like left hand corner says uh, uh you know two hours fifteen minutes that's the recording. Yep. Uh, that's since we started recording and once you hit stop now in the chat right you're gonna see it'll probably take a little bit because it's been a long uh, uh, call but and then if you just wait keep it open or even if you close it just to, uh, for future references I've done it where I'm like I've closed it I'm like fuck I didn't see the video I didn't let the video process and then I open it and the video is there. So okay. It's, uh, so I don't have to worry about like accidentally exiting out because you're in a rush and then the video disappearing. So so if you just but if you check on it or if you just keep it open, eventually the video is just gonna pop up right there and you can just right click it and go to like download or save as or whatever and uh, you can put it right onto your computer and then you can do anything you want with it. You can upload it on YouTube, use it as your video, or put it in. You know what I do is I'll put it in like a you know some like video uh, movie maker you know software then I just throw my intro right in the beginning of the video then you know and then that's it just kind of make it look a little bit more uh, more professional but um but that's it it's pretty it's pretty simple I, I like it because the thing about zoom is that uh, like I think I told you before before we start recording um, only I get the, the video and audio and all that stuff if I record it and because I'm the host nobody else gets it where this like immediately the guests and I get access to it so if they do want it you know we can both download it we both have access to it for 30 days so uh you know something that you might want to do for future shows if you want to start uploading video or you want an easy way to record the video and also like I said to have an audio backup if something happens uh and you can't find audio you can always use the video and uh and I know in Pro Tools if I put the video into Pro Tools it'll convert into audio so I can use it as a audio backup you know uh, if something goes wrong Fantastic, man. Well, I'm already looking forward to our next conversation. I hope you have a great night, dude. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Ryan. Take care. All right, see ya.